podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to the Premier League forecast. Uh, Chris is still on holidays, so tonight uh, you've got me hosting, uh, joined tonight by Luke, by Ewan from the Talking Ballocks podcast, and by Tim, who's uh, resident, who's going to be the resident Man United fan for the night. God help. Uh, right, look, there's loads to get on to this weekend, and we're just going to get straight into it. And we're going to start with uh, Spurs against Wolves. Now, this... To be honest, this game should be a dour nil-nil draw. If you look at the two sides, you look at the two records. But Wolves are changing. They're evolving into a back four. And Spurs look like they've found a way to get at sides. Uh, Luke, how do you see this one panning out? Because Spurs could go top tomorrow before anyone else plays. Yeah, it'd be very interesting because the performance against Chelsea for Spurs wasn't really great. Like they snatched the draw out of what should have been a defeat with some very dodgy refereeing decisions. So I do expect to see a better Tottenham side. However, they will be without Christian Romero for the next, I think it's the next couple of weeks with a muscle injury. Um, so it will be Sanchez, Dyer, Davis at the back. So I don't know if that's going to fill any Spurs fans with, with much confidence. Um, but for Wolves, like I think we'll see Matthias Nunes start for Wolves tomorrow. Uh, big money signing in from Sporting Lisbon. So Sporting Lisbon, yeah. very interesting to see how he pl- um, how he settles in. But yeah, Wolves hasn't haven't been very pleasing on the eye so far since moving to a back four this season. Um, so I do expect Spurs to go top before anyone else plays tomorrow. Be interesting, you and. Um... How do you think? I mean, we've there've been talk, endless talk about Spurs and their transfer business this summer, but Wolves have splashed cash this in the last couple of weeks. Matthias mm-hmm. Nunes, out of nowhere, was linked with was linked with us. He was linked with uh, a lot of clubs, really. And here he's off traveling the uh, the well the well trodden road from Portugal to Wolverhampton. Um, what are you expecting from them this season? Because they are. They are shifting away from their back five. They've got rid of Connor Cody, and it looks like they're going to be tr- going to try to play a more attacking style of football. With um, they brought in was it Gonzalo Guedes as well. Yeah, yeah. Plus you, yeah. you uh, was it Wang up front with um, Pedro Neto, Podence. They've got decent players going forward. You know, there's a lot of players there in the shop window as well for some of the other clubs in the league. Um, I think Wolves are one of those teams that kind of, they, they go on good runs and then they kind of go a bit quiet and you almost forget about them a little bit. But I think Nunes is probably going to be the sign of the season, to be honest. I'm so impressed with him. I really thought Liverpool could do with him. 
especially after Thiago uh, going off the other day. I really do think that was the perfect signing for you. Having watched him in the Champions League against Manchester City, he looked at home. He looked like he could have swapped shirts and controlled the game from Man City's point of view as well. He was a really, really good good player in the spot uh, in the Portuguese league for Sporting. So I think he he'll be brilliant. And when you pair him up with Ruben Neves, if they can keep hold of him, which obviously is up for debate given the Man United situation and what they decide to do. Um, but I think their midfield is probably one of the best, if not the best, outside of the top six. Um, the only thing I would say with Wolves is they have to adjust now because they've been used to a back five for probably about four or five years now. Um, going to a back four is not easy. I mean, I know that from Rafa leaving um, and and giving the job to Bruce to take over a back five. He couldn't get it to work with a back four or a back five. Um, it takes a really tactically astute manager to be able to switch between the two. Um, I do think they've got good players. I'm just not sure about the depth. If they lose one or two, all of a sudden they're then struggling. Um, and I think if they can get the money in for Gibbs White of £42.5 million, I think they've genuinely done a phenomenal transaction there. And obviously Gibbs White's good, I do rate him, but he's nothing on Nunes. And I do think they've just upped their team without spending any money because Gibbs White wasn't even there last season. Yeah. Um, Tim, the thing is, with the, well, just lead on from you in there, the... The Gibbs White White move is twenty five million plus the rest and add ons that could total up to forty two million. Now, that's mental money on any on any level. But Wolves tend to get their business. They're they're very clever in how they operate in the market with getting players in and out and doing it at the right time as well. Um, what are you expecting out of Wolves in general this season? Do you think they're capable of getting top half? And with Spurs, with Conte, I mean, Conte's got to be, he's, the red card is uh, one game suspended. He's going to be on the bench tomorrow. How important do you think Antonio Conte's start to the season is? And what do you, what do you think they, they're capable of doing in the well, season's I- come? I what I wanted when Conte was available, you know, um, before going to Spurs. I mean, I was I was begging United to get him. I was absolutely praying for it. Um, he's just relentless, you know. I think he's he's going to drive five ten percent out of every single man that takes the pitch for him. You know, he's literally relentless in everything. You just see him on the sideline; he's unbelievable. Um, in relation to um, Wolves, I haven't seen enough of that lad that they've splashed the cash on. Um, but what I would say is, is, is I think uh, their past performance uh, in the transfer market means that I think you've got to give them a break on it um, and 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 and, a, and give that transfer the fullness of time to see whether or not um, the lad lives up. You know, the lad lives up to to to, to, to the price tag. Certainly, based on uh, previous, you know, their previous work in the transfer market. You know, they've been very, very shrewd. Um, you know, uh, in answer, the direct answer to your question, how, how you know, Wolves would take, Wolves would take a top half finish, wouldn't they? Every day of the week. Um, um, have I seen, um, have I seen anything from them thus far that makes me think any, no, not really. That somebody mentioned a moment ago about the shift from the, uh, you know, the shift from, from, from a three to a four. You know, that takes a lot, that takes a lot of getting used to. Um, and it's probably too early to, to, to draw any conclusions on that, but you know, that's a, that, 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 that's, I think that's, 
that's a very, very important facet in terms of how will they perform this year. It's if they can get that settled. Uh, we know the quality they've got in the midfield, um, and you know they can dangerous up top now as well. So um, I would expect I would expect Wolves to uh, to hold their own this year. Um, this game alone, though, just looking specifically at this game, my, my own thought process is that you know Spurs did well to uh, to get a result against Chelsea, didn't they? I think Conte would have let them have it straight after the game. Um, and I think that they've just, you know, Perisic has done well coming off the bench the last couple of games, isn't they? That, that, that left peg. And um, I know Richarlison done all right the last day as well. So be interesting to see who, the, who, who they go with. Um, but the firepower is there. And, you know, if they can match up uh, walls and get enough, you know, if they can get enough of the ball in around the final third, I just think that they, I think they'll have too much. Yeah, no, that's a fair one. I mean, Wolves got a really good record against Spurs. They've won yeah. uh, four two, of their last five trips to London. Two 0 last they, year was it? I think. It, yeah, yeah, they've ta- they've taken points off uh, Spurs on a consistent basis. But I think Spurs are a different animal then, and Wolves are a different animal as well. Under Nuno, they were so defensively sound and quick on the counter, and you had Raul Jimenez was an absolute yeah. animal. You know, it was at the peak of his Peace. powers. Yeah. You know, he was a beast of a striker before his injury. So, I mean, I think it'll be, I think it could be a really good game. Spurs need a reaction for the performance that, against Chelsea, but that's a game that Spurs would have rolled over on a couple of years ago. You know, I mean, they've got that. <sighs> Romero's a miss. You know, he, he's he's going to be a miss to any to any side, but they've got a. They've they've got enough. They should have enough to to go top of the league tomorrow. And with results breeds confidence. And the one thing that stood out at me actually, Young Min Son has never scored against Wolves. So he's in all of the. I think he's played nine times against against Wolves over the years. He's never scored against them. So yeah, it'll be one to watch. Luke, uh, score prediction. I'll probably go. 3-1 Spurs. 3-1 Spurs. You win? I'm going the same. That's what I would have said. Yeah. Tim? 2-1 Spurs. 2-1 Spurs. Yeah, I think it would be 2-0. Two, two um, but please don't go to bookies based on what, I'm, what I put down. I look at what I predicted for last week's results. Nah. Nah. We, we, should, we won't be going there. Um, the next one is... Historically, a huge game, be it in the old first division, Premier League, is Leeds against Chelsea. I mean, if you're talking about two sides who absolutely cannot stand each other, if you talk to Joe Weinman about, um, for those of you who don't know, Joe, Joe's a, a Leeds fan, he's a YouTuber, and we've had him on a fair few times, brilliant guy. You ask him anything about Chelsea and uh, Frank Lampard in general, and you will get, you'll just see the, the red mist come down. Talk about two clubs who absolutely detest each other with absolute passion. But in fairness, from the bits that I've seen about Leeds this year, I think they've had an exceptional transfer window for what they needed to do and how they needed to refer. How do you think? How do you see them, Luke? I think I think their business since they lost Calvin Phillips um, and, and Rafinha has actually been quite good. Um, I'm still thinking that they probably are missing a striker and probably a left-back because I know they've been playing Pascal Stroich out of position 
the play left back yeah. once Junior Firpo has been out. So that may be a place where Leeds can go and strengthen. But Rocker and Adams in the middle of the park. I've not seen much of Leeds so far, but the highlights that I've seen, that double pivot is solid. It's good. And then um, Aronson is, has been a good signing. And then Rodrigo playing behind Bamford. Um, I think he's got three and three. Is it two and two? Yeah, he has. He's, he's, we'll get on to, we'll get on to him in a bit, actually, about the, yeah. fan, when we chat about yeah, the fantasy football. Well, and, um, yeah. but with all the good business, um, I, I, I still expect Chelsea just to have a bit too much, um, for them. I, I just think, even though Chelsea haven't been putting the ball in the back of the net, I think they're just going to create so much that something's going to go in eventually, whether or not it's going to be a goal off a defender. Which is probably the most likely route of scoring at the moment. Uh, it's Red Steve there. If you're talking about two teams who can't stand each other, you're talking about Leeds and just about anyone. <laughs> That's a fair point. Uh, Ewan, um, I said earlier on that Chelsea have midfield issues. And I mean, they've spent more than anyone else this summer. And do you think, first of all, do you think that they've improved? From the start, uh, say no. if you look at the starting eleven this time last year as compared to this season, they've spent the more more money than anyone else in the Premier League. Are they better? I don't think they're necessarily better. I just think they're different. I think their strengths are in different areas now. I mean, when I, I they've improved in certain positions, but I feel like players are getting older, and with with older players, you get the experience, but I don't think you get that useful intensity that that. Tuchel kind of relies on. I mean, Werner going back to Red Bull, I can understand it from his point of view and I can kind of get it from Chelsea's point of view. But I do feel like he's been written off very, very early. I don't feel like the system suited him at all. I f- he's someone who needs to be able to run in the channels, running behind. Chelsea don't really allow for that. They're playing on the opposition's box quite a lot. And his positioning's good, but it was like he just couldn't finish. It's like, like that striker curse at Chelsea. I'm not sure that was a great move. Lukaku coming in for 100 million and then loaning him out the season after. I can't help but just think that's crazy as well. Sterling's a great addition. Let's not get that mixed up. But he's not he's not a he's not a striker. He will contribute in goals and assists, but he needs a number 9 to put them in. And I don't feel like they've got that. So, yes, they've improved their defense. Kukure is a good signing, but they spent a hell of a lot of money. Frankie De Jong still up in the air. Sorry to any Man United fans watching. <laughs> but I think that's more likely to happen to, for Chelsea. But even then, he doesn't look like he's all overly convinced on coming. I think he's quite happy to sit in Barcelona. And I think their attack is much weaker. I don't think Havertz is a nine. I think he's more like a nine and a half, ten. Almost like what Firmino does at Liverpool. I think he could do that job quite well for you at Liverpool. But I'm not sure Chelsea's system suits that. They don't, they don't accommodate that very well. So for me, I think, yes, they've probably improved in individual positions, but I'm not sure they're a better team overall. I think they've got a lot a lot to do this year. I'm not sure they'll finish in the top four. Mm, that's, a, that's a big shout, actually, in fairness. Tim, uh, Leeds United, um, they've they brought in eight players. They're, they are too short. They're a striker and left back that they definitely need. Dan James went there for... Born to twenty million. Um, do you? I mean, they finished seventeenth last year. Their biggest problem for me is going to be attracting a striker and players who are going to be good enough to keep them up and kick on from Bielsa because 
Jesse Marsh to me looks like he's he's bought really well, and from the bits that from the, the, the games that I've seen of them, they're going to be a decent side. I don't know what you th- what you make of them. Um, well, they look well drilled. Um, they they certainly look well drilled from the bits and pieces I've seen. Um, I think, I mean, an injury to Bamford would be yeah. He, you know, he's out now. Catastrophic. He's, he's- yeah, He's out again. Long, long term, yeah, long long term. I'm talking about, you know, would be catastrophic for them. Um, I think, yeah, I think a little bit toothless, but much like the opposition, to be honest with you, because Chelsea have got, you know, I think you were saying there. I mean, Chelsea have got a lot of good footballers in and around the 18 yard line, but they don't have, you know, they don't they don't have that focal point, do they? Um, uh, and I think that, that that may cost. Out. I think I think they'll make top four. I mean, Jesus Christ! Like, you know, how can I be critical of anyone at the minute? But I think that I think I think I, th- I think they'll I think they'll be fine as far as top top four is concerned. But I don't see Chelsea pushing on. Um, Le- Leeds. I mean, I mean, I, I, I'm of the opinion that um, if you know if you looked at the Leeds lineup from from you know one to eleven or or pro- projected one to eleven tomorrow, you know, I think they take. 16th or 17th this year right away is, is my is my honest take on it but they're well drilled and um and that goes a long way i just think you know i just think the top end of the pit the sharp end of the pitch i, th- I think they're lacking um they've missed out on a couple trans- of targets as well haven't they yeah yeah Callum I mean, they've, they've been- to ren Solomon doesn't look like he's leaving ren yeah. Um, it looks like they want Saar, but so do Everton, Palace. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The thing is, if you're if you're a player, if you're a young player now, and you're looking to ju- to jump in on a project at the start, Leeds to me look like as good a, a viable an option as anyone, especially if you look at the state of Everton at the minute. I mean, they were they were massive in for De Kessler, who's a um, Belgian striker who looks like he's going to AC Milan, but. They definitely got to get someone. Bamford is like, as Red Steve does, says there, Bamford is like Ox, if Ox was a striker. You know, Aronson is a good signing, as Sam Tandy said there. He's that little, he's a proper 10. He's a pure playmaker. Uh, I think they're capable. You know, I think they're, they're a capable side if they can get a, a run, but you wonder how fragile they could be as well if they, because I mean, they were on the end of some right Tonkins last season. I mean, just a point on Chelsea. Just a point on Chelsea now. So, I mean, they're struggling a little bit at the, at, at the weekend. Obviously, Kanté's picked picked up um, an injury, and uh, Kovacic is out. Kovacic is out as well, isn't he? Um, yeah. But st- still, in all, they're still gonna. You know, you're still looking at them having probably probably what Jorginho will be in there. Jorginho uh, and Loftus Cheek. Loftus Cheek. I like Gallagher. To, I, I like to get. I'd like Gallagher to get a run. Uh, I think you know. I don't know. It's on his part. Is there a bit of uh, I, don't, I don't know uh, shades of who am I thinking of now? Shades of sh- a bit of it's different, but you know shades of Lingard there a little bit in terms of he's he's, he's much younger clearly, um, but he did well enough there at Palace, and I don't know. Um, if can he make it really, at a bit? Uh, can he make it at a top four club kind of thing? But, that, but 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 the point is though is 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 if you have that frank conversation and say, look, am I going to get twenty games this season? Am I going to get 15, 20 games? And if the answer is no, then just be ambitious. Yeah. Like just try and get yourself on the pitch with somebody. You know, a Leeds. Even, I think you're you know, to do you know what I mean? 
Gallagher yeah, from well, Newcastle. I mean, he would be a brilliant signing for Newcastle because if you're watching, he's so infectious, like, you know what I mean? If you're watching him, he just, you know, he's, it's like a throwback. The lad just runs around box to box. He's not, mm. he's not a, a, a CDM or, a, you know, he, he's, he's a proper number eight. He's box to box and flies into tackles, crowd like him. I, you know, I, I think he's a brilliant player. Would you take him really on? I, I where, would take him. Where would he fit however, in? That's the problem. That's I, I wouldn't pay the forty million touted. Not not at all. I don't think he's worth that. Um, although he had one good season at Palace, I think that's a lot of money to spend on a young lad like that. Um, I don't think he fits. That's the problem. I do. I would have him one hundred percent. But our two eights that have worked so well, uh, Bruno, who everyone's now aware of, and Joe Linton, who is now Patrick Vieira reincarnated, seemingly. Um, so. We we need a six. If any if any midfield if anyone in midfield, we need a six. And Gallagher's not that. He's brilliant. I was about Fred. Fair at the minute. You... Go on, sorry. I was about Fred. Go on, Fred. No, no, I'm no. Fred. I'm all right. I'm all right. You 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 stick with Fred. I'll, I'll yeah, stick Fred with Fred. Can link that with his Brazilian brother. He's, he's well. You me. never know. Eddie Howe managed well. to do it for Joe Linton. You never know. But I think I think Gallagher's definitely got the capabilities of joining a, a top team. And making a difference. I'm just not sure he gets in straight away. I mean, Willock is playing at the minute, but the only reason he's playing is because yeah, Bruno's having to drop a little bit deeper. And he's better than Willock, but I don't think he's want, the long term. I think I he's wanted more to of an ask you player. actually, Ewan, with Casemiro yeah. going to Manchester United, mm-hmm. this is for me is Newcastle's first big test of yeah. a giant club coming for one of your players now. Mm-hmm. Now that you've got money, mm-hmm. uh, Bruno Gamarash, if he gets his head turned by Real Madrid, let's face it, South American players, as soon as Real Madrid or Barcelona come calling, their head does get turned. And mm-hmm. Eddie Howe can talk in his press conference all he likes about how he's a good guy and he came to the club and he didn't put this, that and the other in his contract. If Real Madrid come knocking, that'll knock. be a... That'll be a difficult uh, decision for him because they might not knock twice. Uh, I agree with everything you've said. I can't disagree with anything you've said there. The one thing I will say is, though, the money we would be looking for would probably have to break their record. Are they going to do that for a number eight who's played six months in the Premier League? Are they going to do that when they've got probably the best teenage midfielder in the world? Are they going to do that when they've just spent 80 million euros on Chumini? Are they going to do that when they've still got Modric, Cruz, Ceballos is still there in the squad? I'm not saying he's, Bruno's better than him, but there's a lot of players in there and it doesn't feel like that's a necessity for them right now. If they hadn't signed Chumini, I'd be like, I'd be panicking. I'd be thinking, time down, put handcuffs, handcuffs on him at St. James and do not let him leave until September the 2nd. But it's... It is it is a different different knock. I get that completely, yeah. but I think with our ambition, we've got to say it's got to be stupid money, and we're talking upwards of 120 million, I believe, because otherwise we just reset ourselves. We've just gone back six months. All that positivity, yeah. all that all that enthusiasm is then deflated, and that we can't allow that to happen because you said earlier, winning breeds confidence. That's what we were doing. We can't afford to just let that go. So I feel like we need to use him as a bit of a catalyst and, and trip here as well and say, look, these lads came. You can come and do the same and we'll try and build and you know look at cups and things like that first. We'll get more in we'll get more into Newcastle yeah. in a bit. Um yeah. just qu- quick round the table on uh, Chelsea on Leeds Chelsea. Luke, score line, score prediction. How do you reckon it'll uh, go? 
Three nil Chelsea. Interesting. Ewan? I, I think Leeds could score just because of the way they play. I think probably three one. Tim? I fancy I fancy a slight shock here and uh, I th- I think a score draw. Oh, I hope so. I'm I along the same. I'm actually on the same boat. I think that Leeds could really get get at the get at Chelsea's midfield and cause them problems. Um, and I think Chelsea are going to have a problem scoring goals without an without a recognised nine. Um, but the problem I think is they're going to get Bamiang, aren't they? I think that's the, the latest link. That's the latest one, yeah. But I think Leeds have a tendency to concede. Uh, that's the only problem. I, I think 1-1 wouldn't be like 2-2 two, two even. It's it's going to be a, one of those... I think it's, there's the games that, I, that we picked today, they're all games that there's. I think they're worth watching, every single one of them, because something on all of them, there's definitely, there's definitely something in this game that I think there's something there for Leeds if they're brave enough to take it. And Chelsea need to show their credentials. But we'll see how that one goes. But a break from the weekend, we'll have a look at the fantasy football and see how we're getting on. Have you guys done it? Have you guys been, or did you just do it in the first week and you haven't looked at it since? Well, Luke, have you looked at it since? Yeah, yeah. You made changes last week, didn't you? Yeah, mate. Yeah, yeah. I put Harland on my team and he only got an assist. He got eight touches, mate. Five points on the weekend. So I am now 173. In the league, that's not uh, bad. It's probably more than it's better to be. I think. You and do you ever play it, or do you bother? Do you have time, I'd, or I'd, it's it's more time, and also it's stressful. Oh, my best <laughs> friend is. does it, and my brother does it, and the amount of times we're going to the game and we're in the restaurant before having a meal or having a pa- whatever it is, and they're going, "Oh, what about next week? Should I use my wife? All this, and I'm like, "What? Honestly, you stress yourself," and then. I've got my best mate next to me, Carl. I'll shout him out. Someone will score against us and we'll be fuming. And then he'll nudge me and I'll go, I've got him in my fantasy though. And I'm like, shut up. Not right now. Not now. <laughs> not when he's celebrating the corner flag. No. It you can wait been. until tomorrow at least. So, yeah, I'm, I'm fully, I, I, I'm on board with it. I know what goes on. I just, I haven't got the time. I haven't got the time. So, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's my stance on it. <laughs> Tim, your your hands are full at the minute. Let's be fair. Snap, snap, snap with you and just absolutely not a fucking hope. I played it once, probably eight or nine years ago, and I was a shambles. So um, I never went back to it. Um, I looked at it. I looked at it one afternoon. You sent me the link uh, earlier earlier in the summer, and uh, yeah, no, I I just never got around to it. So. Hold my hands up. Not for well, me. Not for me. I'll be honest. I. I do it every year, and every year, by about the third or fourth week, I've normally put it away. You know, I've, no, I've normally... <laughs> He's heading that like, way for me at this rate. <laughs> yeah, but this time I'm determined. I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to see it out and see how see how we get on. But, I mean, the top 10 in the league at the minute is... Uh, Gav is in the background. He'll throw it up there. There he is. Top 10 players of the week for last week. Gabriel Jesus, Jesus, he's, he's after a flyer, isn't he? I'm debating with not to put him as my captain this week over Mohamed Salah. I'm debating because Arsenal got Bournemouth. You traitor, you! 
<laughs> I don't know. It was... Good God. I, I'll just say, my Chelsea comment was based on how well Jesus has played. They've got a number nine. That's my it only is. thing. I think yeah. Arsenal have got that nine that Chelsea could do with. And that's the difference, I think. I think look, they could do with someone like Jesus, to be honest. Look down at number go. three, Jose Sarr, Wolves, with his clean yeah. sheet points. I was going to say, yeah. talk, talking, of, talking of goalkeepers, you know how painful this is seeing Henderson in there and our keeper throwing him in. He's got the whole environment his own net and Henderson. Jesus Christ. Hey, look, Granit Xhaka's up there. You can tell it's early in the season, Granit Yeah, because Granit Xhaka's up there. He's not going to be up there soon. But in fairness, there's two in there, I think, that are absolute royalty when it comes to fantasy football. Kevin De Bruyne is insane, let's be fair. Um, He's not in my team, Kev. He's not in my team. I'll tell you why. The reason why he's not in an awful lot of people's teams is because he's so damn expensive. But he's so good. In his last 12 league games, right? His last 12 league games, he's got nine goals and eight assists. Oh, that's disgusting. You know, it's it's crazy, you know. Um, He's just one of those players... Do you lads? Do you lads think you know? Like you look back and and you've got the the Roy Keane versus Vieira versus Gerrard debates, left hand skulls and all the rest. And like he's right in that mix now, and he? he has to be. He's unbelievable. He has to. He, be. I'd say the only thing that I someone think, like Keane, the Keane and Vieira, I think yeah, I think Keane and Vieira defensively are better. But I think De Bruyne is as close to Gerard as being the package. You know, he he can do, he can mix it. But I think Gerard probably edges it purely based on Gerard's ability to defend and attack. De Bruyne attacking wise is he's got the same stride, isn't he? Like he's deceptively quick when when yeah. when he shifts the gear. Like Gerard was deceptively quick. Um, he doesn't get any he, backlash he, either. He doesn't need no, like. No. Any Plus kind of swing to get... Oh, he's oh, just phenomenal, isn't he? He's filthy with the outside of the boot. <laughs> mm. Yeah, he's scumbag, I hate him. <laughs> it's ridiculous to be that good at <laughs> football. Well, um, okay, i got to do the uh, the housework now. Uh, did you know that browsing online using incognito mode doesn't actually protect your privacy? That's right. Without added security, you may as well give all your private data... Hackers, advertisers, your ISP, and other prying eyes. IPVanish VPN makes it easy to stay truly private and secure on the internet. IPVanish helps you safely browse the internet by encrypting 100% of your data. This means that private details, passwords, communications, browsing history, and more will be completely shielded from falling into the wrong hands. Even your physical location will be hidden. IPVanish IP makes you virtually invisible online. It's that simple. You can use IPVanish on unlimited devices without sacrificing on speed, your computers, tablets, phones, even devices like your Fire Stick. So if you're streaming media, whether you're at home or out in public, I don't go online anymore using IP without using IPVanish. IPVanish is offering an incredible 70% off their yearly plan to our listeners and viewers with a 30-day money-back guarantee. That's just like getting nine months for free. IP Vanish is super easy to use. All you have to do is tap one button and you're instantly protected. You won't even know it's on. Stop sharing with the world everything you stream, everything you search for, and everything you buy. 
Take your privacy back today with a brand rated 4.6 out of 5 on Trustpilot. Go to ipvanish.com forward slash daytrippers to claim your 70% savings. That's I-P-V-A-N-I-S-H dot com forward slash daytrippers. And I'm back and never doing that again. Chris is back next week. week. Chris is back next week. He can do it. Or you can do it again. (laughs) But that's the the daily housekeeping done. Right. Newcastle versus Manchester City. Oil Classico as it's been modern <laughs> um, Look, I'm we. Do, I'm not going to get. I don't get into the to the ownership models. There's no point because it's not Ewan's fault. It's not any Newcastle fans' fault. Who owns the bloody club? So there's no point in giving the Newcastle fans stick about who their owners are and don't ask them to justify their human rights records because it's not their fault. So let's just look at we look at the game for what it is and. In fairness, Newcastle's record under Eddie Howe in the last six months of the season has been Champions League qualifying form. He's been he's revitalised that club and he, and they're building it from the back forward. I mean, you and how 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 are you see how are you taking it as a Newcastle fan? Bearing in mind the years that you've had under Ashley, the. Um. New owners, and more importantly, I just wanted to ask you actually, Dan Ashworth, how are you finding his approach to transfers and building a football club? Um, There's so much to wrap up here, so I'll try my best to do it as quickly as possible. But I'm lucky enough to have had a season ticket in the Gallagher since I was four years old. So that's coming up 24 years now. So I saw us play against teams like Barcelona. I saw us beat Juventus at home. I saw us play into Milan. I've seen it all and then I've seen us get relegated. So in terms of the broader aspect, I'm not just someone who's seen the recent years. I'm not just someone who saw the early years. I've seen the whole lot. The club now is just full of enthusiasm and positivity. The fans go at the game and actually feel like, well, we've got a chance. In previous years under the ownership, barring maybe Rafa, maybe you felt like, what's the point? What is the point? It was so underwhelming. It was so... Everyone was apathetic. Everyone was so apathetic. So getting someone like Eddie Howe in, I've got to be honest, I was a little bit... A bit dubious probably is the word, just because we hadn't seen him build a defence. We'd seen him do unbelievably well. And I think that goes so like under the radar that he took them from uh, Bournemouth from um, minus points in the fourth division to the Premier League in five years. That's ridiculous. If that was a German manager or a Spanish manager, people would be... Ra- I think it's because he's not necessarily sexy in terms of the way he speaks, the way the way he comes across in interviews. What he does is come. he comes across very... He's, he's got massive amount of humility. He's very dignified. He doesn't get involved in things that he shouldn't be getting involved in. Um, so in terms of the man... He's a brilliant man, but I think as a coach, he's probably up there with like Graham Potter as potentially one of the best English managers around for the next 20 years. Um, In terms of Dan Ashworth, he was the one who really helped England become what they are now. Now, I don't particularly like watching England at the minute just because of the style of player they they, they use, but the players they produced and the the system in St. George's Park and getting everyone together and using the youth teams and getting the 19s to train with the 20s, the 20s to train with the 21s when there's a player good enough. And using that that dynamic is so effective. And I just hope he brings that in because at Brighton, I was listening to a podcast he was on, 
he was saying that no matter what happens, if they lose a player, they have a replacement, whether it be someone they're ready to buy there and then, or they've got someone out on loan or someone in the youth team. So when Ben White went, they knew they've got another three centre-halves who they sent out on loan. When Bissouma went, they had Moses Caicedo, who's come in and done an unbelievable job. I just hope he's able to replicate that and they allow him to build the skyscraper. The, the phrase going around our club at the minute is, we're trying to build a skyscraper and you've got to build the foundations first. And the foundations come with people like Eddie Howe, people like Dan Ashworth, people like Darren Eels, who's just come from Atlanta, who built a club from the ground up in America, who've ended up winning the MLS. So you've got you've got people there who clearly have a winning mentality, but they've also got a humility and uh, a side that I think all of our clubs understand that working class understanding of what fans would like from their club, hard work, effort, application. They just that's all we want. I, I you could a lot of people will say to me in five, six years, Oh, but you've not won anything. To be honest with you, I'm not I've waited 20, 28 years anyway. Like it doesn't that doesn't matter. What matters to me is is enjoying my football. Getting to a Saturday and thinking I'm with my mates, I'm with my family and I'm watching entertaining football where I actually feel like there's something to, to be positive about. That's what it is for me. And anything above that is a bonus. So people like that, I'm just so pleased to have them in the door because people like Lee Charnley, um, Derek Lambias, Mike Ashley, they were an absolute shambles. How they worked in football for so long, I'll never know. Well, Tim, how's, I mean, you're looking at City uh, taking on the mental now of what Manchester United were. They are the dominance club in, in England at the minute, you know, winning four of the last five titles. Are Newcastle capable in the next decade of not just sharpening elbows, and but really having a right go at it? You know, um, for me, the way they're the way they started, the platforms they're building, they're building from the back, building solidity. But how do you see it? Well, exactly that. To be totally honest with you, um, I like I like Eddie Howe. Um, I think you can see he's studious and you see how he sets a team up. You could, you know, you could change the the Newcastle kit. Okay. Give them a different kit to wear and you can recognize certain similarities and traits in an Eddie Howe team from, from that of, you know, Bournemouth or, or, or what have you uh, previously. Um, I like the fact that they've not gone absolutely stone mad in the, in the transfer market. Okay. Um, they're, they're taking their time. They're not just throwing money at, you know, at the project left, right, and centre. Um, you know, as far as um, you know, Newcastle. Newcastle as a club is 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 a brilliant club. I've gone up to St James's a couple of times, and it's it's unreal. Um, and the lack of silver. You know, you speak to. You know, I've gone up there for a few weekends. You speak to a lot of fans, and you know, it is about entertainment. Like it literally is. It's about what those people are watching on a Saturday afternoon. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those whereby it's, it's a, it's a one club city city. So, um, everybody is looking forward to a Saturday or a Sunday or whenever the fuck the games are getting played these days. Um, and they all want the same thing and it's Newcastle playing decent football, but I think, I think they've the potential to be bigger and better than that in the sense that why can't they, I mean, why actually can't they, why can't, they take that next step forward. I mean, we you've just opened up there by talking about Man City. Like, mm. Man City, like, you know, I'm going to, I mean, obviously we'll talk about United Liverpool in a minute, but 
football is cycl- cyclical. Like, you know, we're having an apps the worst time that I can ever remember in my 30, you know, I'm 41. So what have I been following United now? 33 years following him. Uh, 34 years, sorry. It's the worst spell I can ever remember. But, you know, every club has to have, in terms of a successful period, it has to have, have a beginning. You know, it has to have a period that's, that, 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 that marks its entry into the arena as actually, because, all right, Man City, before they won the old league or whatever, you know, back along. But it's only now that you've, with the money that's come along and all the rest of it, but it's only now that you're actually able to turn around and say, right, there's four leagues there in five years. Okay, actually... These are a significant club now at home and in Europe. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's, you know, it, what is it since Mark Hughes was there and, and, and the money arrived? What is it? 2008, was it? Eight, was it 2000? Yeah. 2007, yeah, so, 8, something like that. So what is it? 10, 11, 12? Why can't Newcastle get there? I mean, they've got the support. They've got the, they've got the you know, they've got the ground already. Um, they've got the backing now. Like, why the fuck can't they? So, excuse my friend. Sorry. No, you're all right. Um, Don't worry about it. Pass the so, so, uh, so I, you know, I, I'd look at it and I'd be, you know, all right, like you, you opened up by saying about, you know, the owners and, and the money and the human rights and all that stuff, whatever, putting that to one side and literally parking it for a moment, okay? What a time to be a Newcastle fan, you know? What a time. Um, yeah. And I think they've got the right man for the job because I don't think he's going to, you know, I, th- I think he's probably gone in with a game plan and said, look, this is the way I'm going to do it and I'm going to build from the back. I'm going to assemble a squad. Um, and I'll tell you this much now, they're 7-1 to one to beat Man City. And do I, I think Man City will win the game, but 7-1... to one, it's 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 rude not to, isn't it? It is a bit. We've actually got a decent the record. record. Um, oh, the record they've got against Man City as well. Yeah, absolutely. Like Kev said, there. But, what's what's their record? There, it'd be Champions League dating back to when Christmas. If Champions they, January, we're third third in the league on points per game. Points per game at home, Jeez. Luke. That's, that's um, worth a quid. Yeah, well, I was just going to ask you, Luke. We'll get into the game. Newcastle are a very difficult, as we've we've seen when we've played them. Newcastle yeah. a very hard side to break down, a very hard, a very difficult side to get at, and they have players that can hurt you on the counter. So, how do you see this one going? Because the games that I've watched again, the two games that I've watched against City, I've turned them both off at halftime. They bore me to tears. They're just unattractive, dull, horrible football to watch. It's soulless. It is soulless football watching them. Honestly, I can't. It, it's so they're so difficult to watch for me. I mean, how do you see it? I mean, tomorrow they're going to be playing or when they're playing against Newcastle. I think it's Sunday. And uh, they're I, going to be a tough nut to crack. Well, well, well. We probably said that last season. Oh, Newcastle, tough nut to crack. Twenty minutes in, it's two nil. It's game over. You can switch off the TV. Um, so whether or not it's going to be the same this year, ah, uh, I don't know. It's either going to be a really tight game and Newcastle are going to get something out of it or it's going to be the City... Yeah, it looks like a hard game, but we'll walk away 5-0 and we'll treat it like a training game. So, it, you know what? I'm, I'm going to go with the draw. I think I think Newcastle can get something out of it. It's just depending if they want to sit deep and um, try and do what West Ham did on the opening day but not allow any space in behind for Erling Haaland or whether or not they're going to back the centre-backs to have a foot race against Haaland, which I think will be a very, very stupid thing to do. So I think, oh, I don't know. I don't know. I think I think Newcastle can can get something. I just hope that they don't roll over. 
I just hope they don't get rolled over. I'll be honest, I'm with you, and I hope they don't roll over. I'm sick of sides seeing play, going playing against Man City. And they're it's like 1-0, the and then it's like, all right, we'll the- roll over now. We'll get our little beating, and then, yeah, thanks very uh, much. A lot, a lot of sides are looking at Man City in the tunnel, looking at the team sheet, and they're mentally beaten. And then they turn up, and they just roll over. You and You've watched enough now Newcastle under how this year, you know, from last year, the end of last year into this season. How are they playing? Is there more going forward this season? Because I think that's Newcastle's issue. It's not so much keeping clean sheets, it's scoring goals. Yeah, um, it's interesting you say that. I think if you spoke to any Newcastle fan, we want another striker as foil for Wilson because if Wilson gets fit, we are toothless, just like Chelsea leads. Um, we need a winger. Because Almiron's final product is is okay on his day, but it's it's non-existent for half the time throughout a season. Um, but what I will say under how we compete, if you I don't know if you watched the Arsenal game where we yeah. stopped them getting the top four. We went yeah. into that game knowing what they had to play for, and yes, we had nothing to play for. But a lot of teams get on the beach, you know, the whole oh they're on holidays. Eddie Howe doesn't allow that to happen. And that's something that I've seen from previous managers. We go into every game and compete. Against Brighton, we were pretty poor. That was that was a really poor game by us. But in, in the Forest game, and I know it's a newly promoted team, but they were full of energy the first 10 minutes and we just, we killed their momentum. We started figuring out what was going on. Henderson was looking to play a throw to the wing back and they were looking to break from there. So we just sat back another five yards maybe, edge of their box, five yards, and they couldn't play out. And I'm hoping because how is the way he is, he's got some sort of strategy. You were saying about a high line. Haaland is not the type of player to be using a high line against. But Nick Paul, I didn't realise this until I looked at the statistics and I've since watched him in pre-season and the first two games. He is extremely good at sweeping. He can't kick, but he's off his line really quickly. So hopefully, if we do play a high line, he's got Nick Pope on the edge of his box ready to try and sweep it up because that's what he's done quite a lot so far this this um, last seven, eight games that I've watched. So there's a chance we could play a high line. I don't want us to sit on the edge of our own box though because I feel like eventually a De Bruyne, a Bernardo Silva, a Foden, they will unpick you. They're too good. We were talking about De Bruyne before. De Bruyne could hit one from 30 yards at the top corner. Yeah, that's it. it doesn't need to be a through ball. It doesn't need to be a cross. It could be literally that. So for me, I think we, we don't go toe-to-toe but we look to set traps we look to hit them with a with a press at certain times and that's what Joe Linton's very good at doing he almost initiates the press so he he'll allow Wilson to chase and then he'll initiate the press and support him Man City you're good enough to play through it though and kill us so yeah, it's a no. difficult one it's, it's a, difficult a, it's one a fascinating play. it's a fascinating game don't give Tim. me hope don't give me hope <laughs> no that's I, it I'm I mean not, I'm not saying we will but I think there's a chance there's definitely there's, a there chance is, there's definitely a chance I mean 100% Tim, how do, how do you see it going? Because the one thing I look at Man City, they don't have the luxury of being able to change much. You know, I looked at their bench in the last game and I think they had five, four or five under-23s. You know, and the talk around Bernardo Silva hasn't gone away. Pep was questioned on it in his press conference today and he was coy about it, that um, he knows that Bernardo wants away. So it's a possibility that he might not start. You know, I I don't know if everything is all as hunky dory as people like to think at Man City at the minute. Yeah, yeah. I mean, 
what, or is it wishful what thinking I, on my part? What what would that? Yeah, I was going to say you've got your Liverpool <laughs> Liverpool head on there, lad. Um, I mean, you know, you're looking at even if Bernardo Silva isn't playing, what have you got? You got De Bruyne, Rodri, probably Gundogan. I'd say, yeah. probably a midfield three. I mean, it ain't bad. Top end, probably what Mares and Foden and Haaland. So, I know what you're saying about the under about the bench, but Jesus Christ, that you know that eleven ain't bad. Like, and that 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 will do the damage against most sides. Um, just going back to the, the point there in terms of how Newcastle play against them, how they set up. It is it is your like your classic catch twenty two because you know. I think like the coach's manual would say you have to sit deep against Haaland because if you leave space in behind him, he is just, I mean, that, that one he got in the first, that penalty one, I mean, he had no right level, but I mean, they were sat pretty, um, the, the, the defensive line on that occasion were actually fairly well, deep. Pretty it was just deep, the acceleration yeah. over, yeah, it's the acceleration over like six, seven yards. Like, so I think, I think, I think to be honest with you though, I think, I think Newcastle have the tools to hurt Man City, okay? Obviously, you're going to concede possession. You're probably looking at, you know, you're at home, you're probably looking at somewhere between 35 and 40% possession, okay? And it's what you do with that. But I do think that they've got, they do, I do think they've got the players that can hurt. Um, I mean, San Maximum, I mean, he's, you know, Wilson's Wilson is a headache for any centre-half parent. I mean, he will not stop. Like, he'll be absolutely on it all day long. And like you say there, Joe, Joe Linton, um, Willett, Gamaras, I mean, that's strong as well. I think I think the way to play, I don't know, what the fuck do I know? But I think the way to do it is, is, is I think you're conceding possession. So naturally, even if you're trying to be brave and to push up, you are going to concede space. But I think it's about when you get the chance to, to break is it's not just your front three or four going for it. Like, and, and, you know, you have to push up and you have to, you have to, your starting position has to be as high as it possibly can be. And then naturally you'll start to concede ground. Um, but I think, I think Newcastle have the, have, have the tools to hurt city, but they're just, you look, they're just so good. It's hard to look at anything other than the man city win because they are so freaking good at the minute. But, um, you know, I think, I think Eddie Howe, you know, 50,000 mad Geordies there. I think, you know, I think the record they've got at the minute um, since since Christmas. Um, you know, if they start well, I think that's key. I think if they can get you know twenty thirty minutes in and they've started well and you know you've created a chance to it uh, or to themselves, um, you know, you'd be hopeful that they can get a result. Hard to see past City, but Jesus Christ, seven to one at home, like it's worth a, worth a tenner. It's worth a punt, isn't it? Mm, Definitely absolutely. for sure. Quicker on the yeah. houses then, Luke score. 2-2. Two, 2-2, two. Two, two. Desmond. Uh, Let's hope so. Um, Sunday game, telly, 52,000 having a drink at lunchtime through till 4 o'clock. Bank holiday weekend. Oh, yes. I've, I've, got a, I've, got a, I've got a sneaking suspicion there's a draw in there. I'm, I don't think we'll score two. I think 1-1. One, one. And that's, that's, a, that's a hopeful head. It's not a logical head, to be honest. <laughs> there always is with fans. Tim, how do you reckon? Uh... Sunday afternoon, fifty-two thousand Geordies. You know, a good start from uh, from Eddie Howe. Four 0 City. <laughs> <laughs> You've killed it. No, 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 no. Joke, joke, joke. I, I think City will be too good in the end. I think City will be too good in the end. But um, I, I, I'll, I say, I say, two one City, two one City. Yeah, I see. I went to see him. I went two one. I think City will have to work for it. Um, mm. Ideally, Newcastle get ahead, 
Newcastle can get ahead, yes, then anything could happen. But I've seen Newcastle win. When you don't expect it, they can. They're well capable of getting players forward in numbers. And I don't care who you are. If you're not prepared to do the hard yards going the other way, then you, you will concede space, you will concede chances. So I hope, I, ho- I just hope that they work City. If City win it, fine, look, they do, but I hope they have to work for it. I hope they have to earn it. If but, we can get Callum Wilson a couple of chances, I think he, 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 can, he can score goals. That, that's what he's dependent on. If we can create opportunities for him, one or two a game, he'll, he'll, he'll likely score. Yeah, I think your season really hinges. On, your season really hinges on his availability at the minute. You know his yeah, his yeah. fitness. He's he's one of those players that in the game you don't wish you wish nothing but good things in a way because he's had so much time out with injuries over the years. Mm-hmm. I'd love to see him just get a season, just get a good season under his belt, just to see what he yeah. can do. You know, he's he's I'd around the England squad. chances. He'll be on the plane. He'll be on the plane. He'll be on. If, if he get if he stays fit for between now and and, and by the time the squads announced he'll be on the plane 100 percent ah this is Southgate we're talking about that's my worry but then Southgate apparently spoke to Eddie Howe the other day and asked him how he was doing and how his fitness was and he was watching him so who knows maybe there's a chance for him because off the bench he'll, he'll be on he'll be on the plane to look after Harry Kane shin pads or something he won't get a minute <laughs> yeah. but he'll, he'll be on the plane <laughs> yeah. I think you're, I think if you're your right. If your season's there. hinging on Callum Wilson, I'd be hoping that he's not going to the World Cup. So yeah. I, I hope, for, as a selfish point of view, I don't want him to go. But as a bloke, as a as a player, a player. who represents our yeah, club, yeah. Yeah. I, I'd love him yeah, too yeah. because he needs that chance every time he plays yeah. for England. He scores. So yeah. uh, Laszlo in the chat is going for a two-two. Phillips going for a two-nil. City. Um, seen some other score lines flying in there as well. Um, I think more in hope than anything else. I mean, your logical head on, <laughs> yeah. your logical head on. City should have enough. If it's logical, then it's probably going to be like three-one. In fairness, if we, listen, Luke, if yeah. it was logical, mate, we'd all be rich and we'd be going to the bookies, and there'd be no such thing as bookmakers because we'd have all cleaned them out. Football yeah. has a way of uh, not doing that to people. You know what I mean? But we will see. But then we get on to the real meat and drink of the weekend. You know, relegation the, clash. Relegation clash of the two biggest clubs in England. <laughs> <laughs> it's mental, isn't it? I, I can't believe I'm sat here on a Liverpool man. podcast talking about Man United and Liverpool being in a relegation podcast. <laughs> it's crazy. It's. But, I mean, look, we'll start with the start. Luke, you messaged me earlier on. Uh, <laughs> first thing you said was, Casemiro, we've got to talk about Casemiro. I'm like, okay, yeah. fair enough, no problem. All yours. What do you reckon? I mean, look, what do you, first and foremost, what do you think of the player? And what do you think of the signing for United? Bearing in mind what Manchester United need today. Not about what they need in two years' time, what they need today. Right, so so I'll be nice first. Um, I think it's an excellent bit of business. It's an excellent bit of business. Um, he's in his prime at the moment. Um, the fee, it's like £50 million. That... That's not a lot of money nowadays. Yes, he he is gonna get. I think his wage is gonna be about. Is it under three hundred grand? So obviously he's gonna get a nice little a little wage bump. Uh, Ronaldo's gonna be happy because he's gonna see like the Real Madrid side just get assembled in front of his eyes. Say, oh, there's Casemiro. There's Varane. 
is Benzema coming as well? <laughs> no, but no, I do. I do think he's exactly what they need to shield that defense. Um, he's not like my only concern is he's not the greatest passer of the ball. Um, he's not a great distributor, so his job is just to make the tackles and interceptions and pop it up to, to Cruz and Modric and just let them do the rest. But for United, who's he going to pop it off to that's going to really carry the ball up the pitch? Is, is, is it going to be his Brazil teammate, Fred? Or, or, or they actually be... link up. They link up well for Brazil, in fairness. Yeah. You know, it's... Yeah, maybe he's trying to create the uh, Brazilian national team <laughs> instead of I mean... the same well, you, yeah, you're, you've got the link, the strong links to um, Anthony as well. The, yeah, Anthony. Yeah. Were there? Um, well, the Anthony, the Anthony one was there early in the summer. They walked away because the fee got ridiculous, and now they've gone back again, and they've been going to be ridiculous. And it's even more ridiculous. It's even, it's even more ridiculous now. Over so, eighty million pounds, I think. Yeah. I mean, you and Manchester United have been um, looked at biggest club in the world in. Argu- they're arguably one of the biggest clubs in the world with Real Madrid, Bayern Munich, Barcelona, ourselves. They're a, a juggernaut. They're a financial juggernaut. They're a financial powerhouse. And usually over the years, it was always the case if they wanted a player, they just went and got a player. Yeah. Now the shoe's on the other foot and you've got a generation of players in a large case where they're like Bruno Gamarash, where... They're looking at. I want to play first and foremost. The project, and where do where will this take me over the length of my contract, rather than looking at the end figure on the contract. And that's where you're looking at the likes of Jude Bellingham going off to Dortmund when he could have taken easier money in England. Um, Sancho did the same thing, went off to Dortmund to blood his career. Where do you look when you? Because you're the neutral in this. You look at Manchester United now, and. What do you think needs to happen there? Because speaking from experience of an ownership, it is huge what influence that can have on morale, enthusiasm, everything like that. It really does. It, it there's no denying that. The only thing I've got a real bugbear about is when you see how much money's being spent. I don't think that investment's necessarily the problem in this in the team. I think it's the way it's invested. It's the structure of how it's invested. They've invested in different managers, not in the squad. So they've given X amount of money to Jose, to Van Hal, to Solskjaer, to now Ten Hag. They've all wanted different styles, different types of players. I think that's an issue. I think it's it's more the, the recruitment side of it. It's more the strategic side of it, the data analysis. I mean, everyone's used the word, but it is so scattergun in terms of Chelsea and Man United this summer. Because how can you go from Frankie Dion, who's one of the most elegant, like beautiful on the eye footballers, who can turn defence into attack the way he glides by players and he takes the ball on the half turn, but then you go and get you're looking at getting Rabio, who's like a bit more of a hard tackle. He can pass. He's he's gritty, but he's not the same as Dion. And then they've gone to Casemiro, who's a typical number eight. Uh, number six, sorry, rather than number eight. I don't think they've got a plan. You have to have a plan from top to bottom. Your manager has to align with your sporting director. Then they have to align with the CEO who probably goes and helps make the deals. And the owners need to be need to understand what type of money you need to be able to do those things. If you said to me, look at, look at their in- incoming transfers, Varane on paper, brilliant. V- Ronaldo on paper, brilliant. 
Martial on paper at the time was like, wow, Ballon d'Or potential. Uh, San, like, there's so many who you could look at the squad and go, Do you know what? They're all brilliant individuals, but they're a mishmash of a team. They were playing Christian Eriksen at centre defensive midfield the other day. He's never played there in his life. He's played as a transitional eight or a left hand side of a three. It's it's just it doesn't make sense to me. So there's definite strategic issues, and the ownership changing would help. But I feel like they have to go and they have to say, right, what positions are we weakest in? Because they're weak in numerous positions. For me, Harry Maguire is a weak link. He has to be dropped. Mo Salah and and people like Diaz will have him on toast if he plays. You looked at the old Trafford game last year. I'm actually a teacher, and a lot of my children are Man United fans in that class last year. Okay, and I said you're going to get back. I, I said they were like, "Oh, what do you think? What do you think?" And it was Ronaldo had just signed, and and you know they just battered us three one under Steve Bruce, and they had this false idea of of how. And I think, and I just kept saying like. You, they could pick you off so easily, and I came in the next day, and Salah had a hat trick. Like it was, it was, it was predictable. I think from a lot of Man United fans' point of view, who've seen them play week in, week out, I think they'd probably look at the transfer business and go, "Yeah, excellent," but there's no real style of play being implemented for years. If you ask me the way Man United play, I couldn't tell you. When I was growing up, it was two strikers or a, or like a nine and a ten. And you would have people bombing down the wings, giving the giving the fullbacks nightmares. And then when they're giving the fullbacks nightmares, Gary Neville's overlapping, making it even more difficult. Or Patrice Evra. It was, it was impossible podcast, to deal with. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, so uh, I think I think they need to find what they what they want. What do they want to achieve? Do they want to be possession based like City? Do they want to go with? Well, they brought in Rangnick to be like Liverpool, and that didn't work. Now they want to be good in the transitions and, and like pick teams off quite quickly and break forward like they did in pre-season but if you haven't got the players to do it you can't do it Tim um, where to start mate um, I mean I, love I, had you year, I, had, I had years <laughs> of abuse from you and your father given given it to uh, Manchester United or you know this that and the other and you were for donkeys and now that the size 12s are firmly on the other foot Oh yeah, because they are. You good? <laughs> um, I mean, where where do you start? This is the thing: the Glazers, the pundits, the, you know, the Gary Neville's, the Rio Ferdinands of this world, the voice that they that they have, the platform that they have. It's, you know, getting games abandoned, talk of strikes or talk of uh, protests at the weekend. What do the club, what do the fans want first and foremost? And so, how do they go about restarting this? Because it needs so just, a restart. Oh, yeah, it does. Yeah. So just a couple of things. Like um, where I'm at as a United fan now, and I, I mean, you know, at, like literally, I remember Michael Knighton doing kick-ups on the pitch at Old Trafford. And then we had that ridiculous run then. Okay. And, you know, yeah. The, the the shoes on the other foot now uh, in 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 so much of, uh, as as where we're at, but you know football is cyclical, all right. Yeah. But I genuinely feel that Manchester United as a football club, you know, which has what uh, eighteen seventy eight, so one hundred and forty five years or whatever it is now, um, I actually think that this is the most pivotal pivotal stage that we've ever been at as a club, in so much as. Um, 
the, the, taking Ewan's point, okay, United have spent money. Forgetting how they've spent the money in terms of you know the players that are being bought and and the absolute mishmash and different managers and different you know different ideas and whatever they spent money, but to be totally clear on it, like they haven't spent a penny of the Glazers' money. It's been money that Manchester United has produced itself as a commercial juggernaut, okay? What will happen over time, and the reason I say it's pivotal now, is because what will happen over the next four, five, six years, okay, is little kids running around now, they've got Man City shirts on, um, or they've got Chelsea shirts on, or Liverpool shirts on, or whatever. And, you know, if we get 10, 15 more years of this, okay, we will, you know, we'll be a, we'll be lucky for a top top half club. Okay, we'll be a club that you know the older generation will remember were good once. And what will then happen? Okay, is you've got the whole commercial uh, unit will start to falter because it's not producing the money that it's always produced. The money that it's spending at the mon- at the moment is money that Manchester United is is able to spend based on the last 25 years, 30 years of glory, okay? And, you know, kids growing up and wanting Man United shirts and blah, 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 blah. It stinks from the top down. It absolutely freaking hums. So if you look at the Casemiro signing today, yeah, look at it in isolation, sound. You know, United's two, two, two central defensive options at the moment are Fred, who I'm telling you now, you know, I've played in like the Gloucestershire County League, like semi-pro. My touch is better than Fred's. I'm telling you now, absolute fact. It actually is, right? Scott Scott McTominay, they're trying to shoehorn him. I actually kind of feel sorry for McTominay in a way, right? He's 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 slightly better than what he's, what he's shown at the minute because he is actually just a box-to-box up and down. He's not good enough for Man United. He, he, he simply isn't, okay? But he's not... He's not the player that, you know, I mean, he plays centre-half for Scotland, for fuck's sake. But he's, you know what I mean? So how can that be a centre-midfielder for for Man United? In isolation, Casemiro, 100% better than than anything they've got. I take your point. Who's he going to pass it to? You know, that that will hopefully come in time. Frankie de Jong is the one. He is the player that can take the ball on the half turn. He scans, he looks over his shoulder before the ball comes to him, and he'll take the ball. And his first... He glides and he can ride a tackle and he can take a risk and he can cut through lines and he can pop off a one to a slide rule path. He can do all of those things. He's the And it just reeks because he, you know, we're at a situation where I was like, well, he's owed 17 million quid by Barcelona. He'd probably come otherwise. I put out a tweet there saying, fuck it, just sign him because we need something to stop the rot. And I, and, and I was hoping beyond hope this year that after the absolute hash of, selection with managers over the years. And I mean that in terms of, you know, Mourinho, Van Gaal, people like this with brilliant, brilliant track records. All right. A little bit like you, Ewan, I want to watch my team play attacking, exciting football. And genuinely, I don't think that they were ever the right, the right guys for the job. I, I, I stand by that. I mean, given money and given all of the players that Jose wanted, United would have probably been successful. They could, they could well have won a league. I don't know, but it was shite to watch. There's no getting away from it. You could then turn around and say, yeah, well, you know, he wasn't given what he wanted. Again, it goes back upstairs. But it's absolutely crucial that at this point on where we are now, okay, it's absolutely crucial that there's new ownership at the club. Um, I'm trying not to get ahead of myself. And, you know, I'm trying not to it's, – it's hard not to get excited at the, at the prospect of, you know, uh, uh, um, 
you know, an ownership or a buyout or what have you. Yeah, it's hard. Sorry, his name was off my top top of my yeah. tongue there. It's hard not to get excited by that, but I'm trying. You know, I won't believe it until I see it. But fundamentally, the ground is fucked. All right, it's falling apart. You know, anybody that's been up to Old Trafford will see. I mean, there's if it pisses down with rain, it's, it's it's hitting. You know, it's hitting. It's awful. The training ground is. You know, at one point was the best in Europe. It's second rate now. It's like shit. It's like championship stuff. Um, twenty one years old you know, now, isn't it? It's twenty one years old. Exactly right. You've got clubs yeah. like Tottenham, okay, that have put the infrastructure in place. Leicester. They've got the manager now. Leicester, you know, yes, although they right. haven't won anyone the money Leicester, that you gave them for Maguire on a new trade. Ex- exactly, ex- ex- exactly. It's it's not. I mean, I mean, Leicester. If they sell Fafana for for eighty million, that's one hundred and sixty million quid on two centre halves. It's unbelievable. But again, I mean, you say that tongue in cheek, but look at look at the scouting. There's so many players that I look around and I think this lad that absolutely bullied United's midfield for Brighton. Um, he was offered United that. for five five mil. I know. Can I just give you a little bit of an inside info on that one? So I know Go someone on, who's a scout who recommended him to Man United and uh, Newcastle were also in the mix, but Dan Ashworth made, this, uh, made the march on him. He was offered to Man United by um, a South American scout and Man United looked at him, liked him, realised there was a lot of Brexit paperwork to do and it would have cost around about £5 million to put him through the, the, the contractual stuff and things like that. And the club were like, nah, he's not worth it. He's not worth it. Not not going there. Newcastle got to the contract stage, realised that it was going to cost them the money. Ashley pulled out. Dan Ashworth pulled, pushed ahead, and Brighton got him for I think it was about five million in total, yeah, yeah, five point yeah, eight million mil. or something. Um, I mean, and Man United just, now are willing to pay five, yeah, six, but, seven times as much. But, well, but, why? But it's, it's it's ridiculous though. I mean, it's in, like there's so but, many examples of that of that type one, of thing but Kev just just what I was going to just just finish off by saying yeah. there right I think in answer to like the problems I don't know I mean I think you have to look at what do you want to see on the pitch okay start with what you want to see on the pitch fast attacking free flow and football okay you need a manager with a philosophy I think they've got those things I actually like Ten Hag I actually think okay that Ten Hag is is doing um uh, uh there's there's a slight air of of Mourinho about him in so much as um, I think he knows that he's massively short in certain areas, but I think he's going to. I think he's going to persist with United, trying to play the way he wants to play. Because when Klopp, when Klopp first came in, you know they didn't set the world alight, but he said this is the way we're going to play. And what happened was Liverpool's shortfalls or Liverpool's shortcomings, shall I say, they were highlighted. You know the the left back with the big mouth on uh, on Twitter. What's his name? Forget him. Uh, Jose Enrique. Jose Enrique. Yeah, it wasn't, wasn't good enough. Wasn't good. <laughs> wasn't good. Play. But they, they had. They had they had quite a few players that weren't weren't good enough for, for for what Klopp was trying to create, and he just moved them on. But he kept this is the way we're going to play. If you're not good enough, or if you can't fit this style of play, then we'll move you on. And I genuinely I think that Ten Hag could be the guy that actually tries to tries to run that narrative. Um, but again, it's 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 you know if the Glazers are still in charge and they're nowhere near top four, it'll be him that gets the bullet. Like and the problems are way way bigger than than, than pitch side. Yeah. I mean, for me, the problem, I said it, I think the, one of the first times I was on this podcast on a Sunday night was after, I think it was last year. And I said, Dane, the best thing that Manchester United could do is go and get Edwin van der Sar as the director of football and let him rebuild the club. You know, just give him the keys and the finances to just rebuild the club. It'll take four, three, four, five, six windows, but you'll you'll see progress. And once fans see progress, 
their buy-in. And we did with, with Klopp. I mean, we knew what we were getting with Klopp because we saw it at Dortmund. And you know what you're getting in Ten Hag because you saw it at Ajax. The, the difference is Klopp, after the first year, put the systems in place to yeah, grow point. the club. That's my point. And, but he was given the reins to do it because FSG, yeah. for, and they have faults. Like, there's no such thing as the perfect owner. But they could see what the, how they wanted to get to where they wanted to get to and believed that, right, you're the man to do it. And they, they just gave him the tools to do it. And he has to work within parameters, the same as everyone else. I mean, the thing is, you say United are spending their own money. Well, that's how the football world should work. What you gain in income is what you are allowed to spend. I think the money that we've had to reinvest in is we've had to get an interest-free loan from FSG on infrastructure and that kind of way. But I don't think we've FSG have had to put their hand in their own pocket for players. That's not what they're there for. You know, they are there ultimately. They're there. It's a business. It's they're there to make money. They don't. The difference. Sorry, one sec. The difference is FSG don't take money out for themselves. The books are released every year. FSG don't take dividends. The Glazers do. And the Glazers use Manchester United to leverage for their other businesses, their other sports franchises across the world. It's like a personal bank account. It's, That's it's, why I it's, don't think they're ever going to sell. I think no. I think it's I think it's telltale the fact that the way the the, the Glazers leveraged the club, leveraged the debt. You know, you can't. You know, that's. That's not a faci- that very quickly. That was that was you know kicked to the long grass. You can't do that anymore. I mean, what does that tell you in itself? And yeah, it's the dividends. It's it's the thing is though is you're you're right. Okay, so if you go back to United's better years, okay, we had a really really strong. You know, people talk about Sir Alex, and don't get me wrong, man, man was a genius, but he David Gill. Like David Gill was absolutely fantastic at his job, okay? And w- there was elements there, you know, where Liverpool have, you know, the, the, the Coutinho business and the reinvestment there in Alisson and Van Dyke. I mean, that was phenomenal business. But, you know, United, United you, back in the day when we had David Gill in front of us, you know, we we were able to pull pull out you know we were able to pull out transfers like that you know we would invest when we needed to we would buy a Wayne Rooney for 30 million or a Rio Ferdinand for 30 million quid or whatever but they were getting money back in the door as well and they were self-sufficient finances what we've got at the moment though is like oh fuck this doesn't work let's chuck 50 million at it oh shit this doesn't work let's find you know it, it stinks of it you just if you went through did you see that Gary Neville exercise that he, he stuck up there in terms of successful transfers the green amber yeah. red um yeah. he thing. Had two I greens mean, didn't he and uh, yeah but like the greens were um uh sorry he had a, a was green was green bruno? ibrahimovic was one of them i think Ibra- Ibra- ibrahimovic and i think bruno was an amber i think yeah was. i think he, yeah yeah he said fact, bruno was an amber the f- the fact that i'm struggling to actually think of a good sign in united have made since ferguson went i mean what does that tell you it's just you know it's, it's just sickening to be honest but it's uh, what it is it's depends cyclical. On, depends on your perspective in life to be honest <laughs> It I does. Don't, it does. I, yeah, but, but I the, Premier League, the Premier League, the Premier, the Premier. No, you're right. The Premier League needs the Premier as League's many a good strong United. clubs. And, and, and Liverpool. Let's be let's let's be honest, right? And this is something I heard on the radio actually, and I thought it was a, a really valid point. Like, it's mad, but obviously Liverpool. You know, I'll throw this one at you now. Liverpool are having their successful period. Still, only one league, like, but all right, they're having their they're having their sweet spot at the minute, but. 
prior to that, United had their had their purple patch for for years and years, and Liverpool were in the doldrums. But they've never really been at it both together, you know, simultaneously going at it. You know what I mean? First, second, first, second. Very first, rare. Second. We've never actually had that period, and so therefore, like you know, I I I, th- I think I think that the Premier League needs needs a thriving United. And the truth of the matter is, is that is is the money involved in that club, the the league needs it. Like the league needs United to be firing because it's you know as far as the far recent subscriptions and all the rest of it, they need United to be firing. Like you said it yourself, one of the biggest yeah. clubs and if not the More biggest in, on the planet, exactly. So, anyway. <laughs> right. um, yeah, definitely. Listen, I'll tell you what. Um, I'm going to drop out for a sec. All right, and I'm going to drop out, and Gav's going to drop in. All right, and I'm just going to I'm just going to watch for a little bit. <laughs> All right. Uh, Gavin, do you want to go back to the main screen there a sec? And, or do you want to just cr- – did you create an extra screen? Here he is. <laughs> I think you're on mute, Gav. Yeah, we can't hear you. Leave him there. <laughs> Can you hear me now? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay. We can. Well, apologies. I have got over. I'm under the weather, but um, like I'm literally feeling much better as this conversation's gone on. Um, <laughs> I, I, I just think this United stuff is absolute nonsense, and I'm. It's actually starting to grind on me. Um, how probably how much Gary Neville and the like have influenced this situation to make people believe that this club has fallen yeah. apart. Um, and are literally walking around in the bargain basement of, of football and they're, they're struggling and they can't spend money. Um, I get what Tim is saying and I always start a conversation about Manchester United with, yes, your owners aren't perfect, but none of them are. All right? The dividend stuff to me is nonsense. The dividend stuff comes out of the club because that's the way they bought the club. But it's not like they're not spending the money. You know, and I have conversations all the time with Manchester United fans about what they could do, what they could do, what, what's gone wrong and stuff like that. And I keep coming back to Gary Neville, Rio Ferdinand and others across social media um, platforms like this as well that are more of a hindrance to that club than they are of a help. And I don't, and I'll argue that point on as long as the day is because they are talking complete and utter bullshit. All right? In my opinion. Gary Neville, I can't find any record of Gary Neville ever given out about a Manchester United signing. Can't find them. I can't find where Gary Neville has an absolute meltdown, all right, to the point where he just cannot for the life of him understand why Manchester United have made this signing. And I go way back. I go, I, I would take the Moyes stuff out because Moyes was just the wrong place at the wrong time and it just did not suit. Van Hal, don't think he had an issue with him. Mourinho didn't have an issue with him. Um, Oli Gunnar Solskjaer um, wouldn't say a word against him because he was his friend. Um, and Eric Ten Hag, he's doing an extended interview with him in the last day or two that you'll see before the game on Monday night. Never piped up about it. Never. Never piped up about a signing. All these signings that come in, Ronaldo come in, they were all rejoicing, Rio Ferdinand was doing little gifts. Do you remember? And he was doing all, everything was fucking great, Right. And the easiest thing to do is blame the owners. The easiest thing to do is blame the owners. Now, if you have no problem with signings and you have no problem with managerial appointments over a period where you spent £1.3 billion, right, 
How can you turn around and make the owners the biggest problem? I understand some appointments within the club, like the directors of football and all. I get that. But Manchester United, for me, spend shitloads of money, okay? And they're basically spoiled brats. That's what they are. They're spoiled brats. Um, no, they are spoiled. devil's advocate. For, for in in one second, you can't own yeah. Oh, you own, yeah. They are spoiled <laughs> brats, and I'll tell you why. 1.4 or 1.3 billion, someone would quote it, right? Spent over the last whatever amount of years should absolutely enable you to challenge. Absolutely enable you to challenge. Yes, you can point at directors of football. Yes, you can point at different appointments. But none of these were given out about. And Gary Neville, after every game now, refuses to speak about who's on the pitch at Manchester United because he never gave out about them. He refuses to give out about managers because he never gave out about them. So what's the easiest thing to do? Throw toys out of the pram and go and, you know, just give out about the Glazers. I understand the stadium situation, probably more investment needed. I understand about Carrington. Um, it is Carrington. It used to be the cliff. Um, I, I completely get that as well, right? I, I completely get that, right? More investment may be needed. Liverpool only moved out of Melwood 18 months ago. They were in Melwood for fucking 70 years or something, 60 years, right? Progress that as it went. Liverpool have only really gone near Anfield in a proper way since 2016. Really, when you think about it. They put a new stand in 2016. They put a new stand in now at the moment. But before that, Liverpool had a stadium that when it went from all from all standing, standing in the cup in 94, right, held about 46,000 or 47,000, right? In 2016, Liverpool's attendance was 42,000. So they've done, done nothing with their stadium for 20 years, right? Done nothing with it, right? But we never, it was never about the owners. They've completely got away from what's on the pitch. And at the same time, never give out about what was on the pitch. It's it's absolutely mental to me. Sorry, Ian, and I'll let Kev back in a minute. No, no, no. I, I, I'm, I actually agree with a lot of what you're saying. And I think, is it not that they've been spoiled so they kind of don't get what, like you through it. Newcastle have kind of gone through, but we were never winning trophies. You've gone through it in that you were the most successful club in the 80s. And then you had to have that dip and it looks like you've come back and you're really, really pushing on now. Maybe a lot of them don't quite know what to do. So they look to blame somebody. But also, I think when you look at when you look at the, the directors of football and things, they lost. Um, I've forgotten his name. Um, they were saying before, Tim, it was Gill and yeah, Fergie within yeah. the, in the same year. And I think the owners have underestimated how much they did for that club and didn't replace them properly. So I feel like you can blame them for that. You Absolutely. can blame them for for the for the appointments, for the st- strategy. Like FFG have brought in Michael Edwards and um, brought in staff to help Klopp on the data analysis side and recruitment side that aid what he wants from a team. But I don't ever feel like, because they've been so successful for so long, they were almost like, ah, we'll come back, we'll come back. So maybe, yes, okay, the, a lot of them are acting like spoiled brats. I don't think I can disagree with you there. But I do think there's a lot to be said for just the way they go about it. You don't ever hear from them. I know you're not meant to hear from owners necessarily, but it has been like that for a long time. It's been like that for about five or six years now. But, you, but, feels you, like- but you're mentioning you're mentioning a thing the other week that they've done all the signings and they had two that were green. Is that right? Two of every signing they've made? That's what you said, yeah. In yeah, over what yeah. period of time? 
10 years. Uh, since Fergie, I think it, it was. That's so fucking it was, it bullshit. Was... Because every signing they've made in the last 10 years has been spoken up. Harry Maguire included. Yeah, 80 yeah. million, he was going to be this. And the only no, 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 no. Gav, 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 Gav. They're, they're looking back he retrospectively meant... in terms yeah, of... Oh, okay. Can yeah. you, so can retrospectively... you do that signing? Yeah, yeah so as retrospectively, a, as a positive signing. Yeah. it wasn't a good thing. Okay, that that's absolutely yeah, fine. fine. But, so, but but my whole point on it is that they never give out about them. Like yeah, they never yeah. went. That's I've never, I haven't seen Gary never got eighty million for Harry Maguire. That's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, they they that's they rejoiced problem. in the fact that you know you could just put that chest out and go uh, seventy five. You spent on Van Dijk. Yeah. We'll do eighty on on Harry Maguire. And now mm-hmm. it's all oh the business is failing. The business is not failing. If they're taking x sixty million quid a year out of that business, it's not failing. It's far from it. It's an extremely lucrative business, regardless. And these, the likes of Neville, Ferdinand and all, need to go away or knock on the door at Manchester United tomorrow and go, I'll be your director of football and stand up in front of these fans and, and actually put their words into action, which they won't do because they're not pundits anymore. They're not pundits. They are just, they're pawns in a game. Ah, I just, I can't, I can't swallow this stuff. I really can't. So, no, so, no, 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 point no, of view. so let me, no, 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 you're fine. You're fine. Right. So just to come back on that, a couple of things. Right. Um, I I mentioned the point about the um, about the money coming out of the club as opposed to going into the club, just mm-hmm. in reference to Ewan's point um, uh, in relation to United are still spending money, and I was responding to that point. United mm-hmm. are spending money. I haven't I haven't you know we spent more money than anyone, all right. But ultimately, and I, I hear what you're saying, but we're talking, and it's easy to talk with hindsight and say your man was shite and this fellow was shite mm-hmm. and that fellow was shite. I get I get it completely, mm-hmm. get it, but the the, if you're looking at what is wrong with the club, okay, if you're looking at what's wrong with the club, it is literally every single department within that club is not working, is not functioning as it should be. Every single department, okay? So, therefore, the only way you can look is at the top of that tree. If it's fundamentally fucked everywhere, you have to look at the top of the tree. Um, yeah. You well, look at... You look, you look at, you look at the managers that are being that are being put in place, and they've had money. You hear story after story. Now, how much of this is absolutely accurate? You know, we know that there's been instances whereby managers have said, "Look, I want this player." Okay, well, I want this player, but here's Fellaini, you know, or I want this player, but here's Schneiderlin, or I want this lad, but here, and we don't quite know because there's never been that director of football in place. There's never been, you know, that, that, that Edward van der Sar character that, that, that Kev referred to earlier. We haven't had that. And what we've done is we've gone, Scattergun has been used a lot to talk about signings on the pitch. Scattergun off the pitch, as far as management is concerned, Fergie said, let's go with Moyes. Okay. We left, we, we went from Moyes then and we went straight left field Van Gaal. We, we went from Van Gaal then to, um, was it Jose, Jose, then we moved across to uh, to stop gap in Solskjaer. I mean, it's it's like it's literally a philosophy over here, and now that one didn't work. Let's try this philosophy over here. It's just the only. The only thing do you think matters. Fergie's got too much of an influence? He shouldn't be around that. I club. don't. Th- I don't think he's got any influence at the moment in terms of the right influence. In but so his appearance, as, he shouldn't be there. If he if Fergie turned around now, right as a as a as a as a you know. Uh, a Labour voting socialist, okay, up in Scotland. If he turned around and said, "Yeah, you know, I think it's time for the owners to move on," that would almost be the bullet in the head that the owners need. But he hasn't come out with it, and I think that that will always be a letdown. I never, you know, he gave me the fucking happiest time of my life. You know, growing up, I had a, one an amazing period. But I think, and you've got to realise, the man's in his eighties. You know, so let the man, you know, let the man, you know. 
he's he's left left stage and 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 just just take a backward step. But I just think that a man as influential as that, if you know, I think it's I think it's an indictment the fact that he's not saying anything. If that makes sense, you know, and the fact that he's actually present and is readily available to be on camera when United are losing or in yeah. a bad spot. Um, yeah. And seeing seeing nearly daily, not daily around all traffic, but there is times when he like you know Ronaldo wants to leave, and all of a sudden Ferguson's turning up all traffic. Like you know, mm-hmm. it, it, yeah, it, it'd be like it'd be like yeah, it'd be like Liverpool ringing Kenny Daglish and going, "Listen, there, uh, Mo Salah won't sign a deal." Like Kenny Daglish isn't walking in there. Kenny yeah, Daglish turns but, up on Matt days and has a lovely. But, Gav, but Gav, 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 strong ownership that doesn't happen, does it? Okay. No, but the thing, but if, the it thing happened, would, if it happened once, it wouldn't happen again. They turn around and say, "Sir Alex, yeah. you had your piece. Don't show up at the training ground anymore. We, we yeah. don't need that." But they're going to be they're going to be very careful in, in doing that as well because that might be the time where Ferguson they're playing a bit of a, a balancing act as well where they don't want to turn yeah, Ferguson. Go, listen, yeah, piss yeah, off! Will you? Yeah, we're here for twenty five years. You know, I agree. <laughs> but you know, but the thing about it is, like you, you talk about at the top of the structure, how much did he take out on dividends this season? Uh, twenty five. Uh, was it? I don't. I, uh, was it? I think it's around twenty-five. Say twenty-five million, just for argument. It could be a bit higher, it could be a bit lower. So we, if if they came out tomorrow and said we're not taking twenty-five million, we're putting it back in, but we're just going to fix Old Trafford and we're going to make Carrington deadly. I I swear to God. Oh, now, obviously, look, you're going to get a load of the fucking Twitter idiots, okay? But I swear to God, like I would, I would take ten years of of relative. Um, I don't know. Failure on the pitch, okay, to get the mediocrity. Right. I would, I would, I absolutely would, because I've, I've been there. You know, I've been there right at the start. Um, I would. I, th- th- you're not going to get if you're re- referencing the fact that okay, the cl- the Clazers are taking out twenty five million quid. Um, it's not about that. If you look at, if you look at, I, I remember looking at um, the football club at the hierarchy of, of, of owners and what they've put into the club. Now you're sitting in a nice position at the minute whereby Liverpool have done very, very good business in the transfer market. Okay. And credit to mm. them. I know I tip my hat to them. Um, and so that's easy from your perspective now to look, but at the well, moment, FSG okay, haven't put a penny into Liverpool football. Club. Yeah, I get, I, okay. Right. But, but, you, but the, again, going back to it, when United were probably at the, at the most successful, okay, we were, we were buying and selling, um, you know, we were, we were making significant signings, but the actual commercial model off the pitch, okay, it was, it was, it was all their own drawings. It was all their own money that was, uh, that, that was being spent on their own players. What I'm saying to you now, though, is that if you own something, if your house, Gav, is falling apart, right? And you fall into a windfall of cash, and it and and you need to do something. You spend money at the minute, okay? At the minute, top to bottom, the club, the success of the club is probably more determined more so on what happens on the pitch than any other aspect. So put your hand in your own pocket, okay? Get a management structure in place, and say, listen, there's a hundred million, two hundred million, whatever it takes per transfer window to get this club back to where it needs to be, and we'll step back. In, in which case you do that and, and success follows. And then the club then starts balancing the books in terms of, you know, selling players, buying players. And it's, you know, but for now it needs money. They've never put a penny in. Nothing. But They're taking that FSG. money out. Who, who, yeah, but how much have FSG taken out? Zero. They've no, taken nothing out. Zero. So, so there's so there's my point. Zero money. But they're not, they're not on the exchange like Manchester United are. The Glazers aren't the only people money. taking money on Manchester United. Everyone that has a share of Manchester United is entitled to dividends at the end of the year. Mm. And I'll tell you yeah. something now. There's the people on the street that own shares of Manchester United, but you, you better believe they took their dividends. But the only one that matters is the Glazers taking it. Right? But the Glazers, we're going on about as if the Glazers don't put, you know, don't use their they own don't. money. You know, but... They, 
and, 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 and I, I completely understand. Can. I completely understand how how they got hold of the club. It was on a loan, still there. The loan is still there. But I think if the Glazers turned around tomorrow and said that twenty five million, I'm giving you back. But we're going to just put loads of money into Old Trafford, and we're going to make Carrington great. What does Gary Neville say then? What does they've he say? 20, <coughs> yeah, they've taken they've taken twenty million a year right since twenty. 15 I think mm-hmm. 20 million a year right yeah so 100 million quid yeah, yeah. 120 140 million quid yeah but what does Gary what does Gary Neville and the and their and the look say then you really have it you, you really have it in for Gaz I have it in for Gary Neville because Gary Neville refuses to talk about what's going on on the pitch the players that are on the pitch the management that's in in in, in situ and never had a word to say about them never had a bad word to say about any transfer or any managerial appointment and he's just bypassing all of this to have a go at the Glazers yes you might want the Glazers yeah. out but start at what's on the pitch okay and that starts oh, with yeah. he should I go out he should go out on Monday night if Liverpool beat, beat um, Man United on Monday night when he does his podcast afterwards which he does after regularly after the game he should come out and have a list of 25 fucking players at Manchester United and go from number 1 to number 25 and tell them what they are from 1 to 25 and start there and tell 20 of them, which that's not a far off number, that they're fucking shit. They don't deserve to be at the club and they need to fuck off. That's the first thing you should do. Then he should tell Ten Hag to tell them to fuck off. And then he should move his way up the ladder. <laughs> but starting at the very top, right, and moaning at fellas that could take 100 million out if they wanted, but they don't. They put a lot of money back in. To start up there and to absolutely die on that hill while running the fucking Labour Party, by the way, is absolutely insane to me. It's insane to me. And he refuses, refuse, and he, look, when he's refusing to talk to fucking Jamie Redknapp after a game, you know Gary Neville is pissing up the wrong tree. That's the, that's, that's the, Fact of the matter, and he's running Salford into the ground as well. Like but look, if you so, look listen, Salford's he's on today. Account. He's on today, and he's telling you that U.S. investment because there's talk now that they'll sell part of the, the the club to a U.S. investment firm, and now he's like U.S. money is bad. Where listen, come in, I tell you, if a U.S. guy came along like the guy that owned um, Amazon and said. Um, I'm worth fucking 500 billion quid or whatever it is, and I'm going to buy Manchester United. He wouldn't give a fuck what country he was from because Gary Neville is a spoiled brat that wants United to spend all of the money and all of the money more than everyone else and pump his chest and go, we're Manchester United. And when he doesn't have it, he's a spoiled brat. Simple. Um, Do you not think that it's the fact that he's been sat next to Jamie Carragher for the last few years as well, no. watching Liverpool build well, the, build build a be- like a really good st- solid structure? Where if they, if you lose Sadio Mane, you've got Diaz walking into the door, knowing what he's going to do. Jota was a bit of a left field signing. Everyone was a bit like, oh, a lot of money for him. He came in, he hit the ground running. They've got a strategy, and then I think Man United fans are a little bit envious, knowing that you're kind of. You're, well, you've you've overtaken them in America in terms of like popularity and notoriety. I feel like it's it's probably that they're just looking for something to change in the structure to be like you. That's genuinely what I think. I think they want to be like Liverpool. And, well, then if he wants they, to be like Liverpool, he comes out and he says Manchester United should spend forty million max per player over the next for, for three players yeah. every summer for the next three years, and that's what we do. Okay, but I um, think a lot of them would be on board with that if they if they were str- strategy driven. And talent driven and and talent ID'd rather than that's a big name who plays for Real Madrid. He's won the Champions League four times. He's do you know what I mean? I think the I think a lot of the sensible Man United fans, and I will say sensible because I know there's a lot who are very very reactive. Yeah, um, and we're talking to one's they, mind, they yeah. would 
yeah, and I think Tim, I think, I think, I think Tim's probably saying that he wants to build a club from the bottom up again. A little bit what like Newcastle are doing, a bit like what Brentford are doing, a bit like what Brighton are doing. There's got to be structure in place, and I don't feel like there is really. I think that's that's what it looks like from me. And I get what you're saying. I think Gary Neville's got a lot to answer for because he's such a big voice and he's got such a big like presence in social media generally. It comes across like he just hates the Glazers, but he doesn't actually say. Harry Maguire's bad because he worked with him in the England squad six years ago. That doesn't reflect well on him. He has to call those people out. As Gary well Neville. Gary it, like Neville was employed by the by the Glazers. Yeah, exactly. They were exactly what we're doing now. As what they were doing for doing down, and he didn't say anything. Yeah. And he he yeah. never said anything about signing a manager. He and none of them have. This is one. This is my whole point in it. None of them have said anything. I mean, go back to managers. Van Hal came in. I remember watching 2014 World Cup, wasn't it, when Van Hal was managing um, Holland, and people were carrying on like Holland were Manchester United. Like, you know, it was Van Hal as this Mourinho. Mourinho's not going to come in and take shit off nobody. Extended a contract at Manchester United under that regime. Now, if Mourinho isn't getting what he wants, he's not extending contracts, right? And Ole comes in, bit of a yes man. Wouldn't even park in Ferguson's parking spot, would you, for fuck's sake? You know, it, 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 it's mental. But none of them, like, sign him up. Give him what he wants. Give him a fucking statue. Ole going to fucking soldier after win away at PSG, you know? And that is the problem. That mentality from Ferdinand and Neville and the likes is the issue. Yeah, but That's none, the issue. None of, yeah, but Gav, none of the, none of those people that you've just mentioned, none of those, they were hired. They were those managers were bought in by by who? Oh okay, yeah. So but, uh, we're listen. looking we're looking with hindsight now. So so you go back to you go back and you say, well, how uh, how have, forget the recruitment of players? How have we managed to get? The recruitment of the management team after Fergie so fucking terribly wrong. Like, but you shite, never thought it was wrong. But you never thought huh? it was wrong. They, they all thought Van Hal or, or Mourinho was the Messiah. I let, I, I let the Solskjaer stuff go because that was just yeah. insane, right? But Van Hal and Mourinho were seen as new Messiahs at Manchester United. Mourinho, I remember talking, um, he was appointed in the summer and I remember the Christmas after he was appointed and speaking to a staunch Manchester United fan on Christmas morning where we were drinking cans, right, for the record. And he was saying... He was saying, oh, we win trophies, he's a winner, he's a born winner, he's this, he's Manchester United, he's this. And I went, he won't, he won't. He might win a trophy, but he's not winning a league title at Manchester United because he's just not going to, right? And then he goes and Solskjaer comes in, but my whole point about it is it's all hindsight from them. Nobody stood up at any stage during this 10 yeah. years and said, this is wrong. That signing is wrong. That managerial appointment is wrong. They're all waiting until they get to the absolute lowest ebb, ignore what's going on the pitch, and then go, uh, the Glazers, right? And what happens then? The Glazers respond and go, here, give 80 million to fucking Madrid for Casemiro. And all of a sudden, everyone's going, Casemiro's fucking great, and he's this and he's that and the other. And they'll all do that. And then in six I months' time, if Casemiro breaks down, it'll be like, the Glazers. You know, I, opened up, I opened up by saying that I'm completely indifferent to the Casemiro signing. As much as I think he's better than what we have, I'm completely indifferent to him as a signing. And the reason I'm indifferent to him as a signing is because it is exactly the same as what has gone on before. Yes, I hear your point. I see what you're saying. There's too many people in positions within the media, okay, that with the benefit of hindsight now can turn around and point the finger at the Glazers, bloody, bloody, blah, blah, blah. But if every freaking thing within a football club is fucked, okay, then there, ha you know, it's not a case of pointing the finger and whatever. Like, you know, if I own a house and this is wrong and that's wrong and this is wrong, it's my house. Mm. It's my yeah. house. It's yeah. my house. I have to fix it. I have to bring in. And do you know what? Like, I, 
I've just had some work done on my house now. I couldn't even I couldn't even fuse a plug myself personally. But what do I do? I bring in somebody that can. You just say, right, I haven't got a clue. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to find the best heads around me that I can to bring in the best management team. Who who appointed the managers? We know Fergie picked Moyes. Who picked Van Hal? Who picked Jose? Who? You know what I mean. So you're looking at the you're looking at the profile of the manager come in. I take your point. I know Holland were flying at that World Cup, and at the time it was like brilliant. Yeah, Van Hal. Geez, look at his CV. Jose's you know Jose's won three Champions League, three different clubs at the stage. Whatever it was, I get it. You look at it, and you think right, that's instant success. That's instant success. I'm telling you now, I never ever turned around at the time and said Jose was one for us because the football was shite. I go back to what you and said earlier, like. You know, you, you get you know you get you get used to steak. You know, you like steak, and all right. At the time, you're looking at it, and you're thinking, all right, well, there's instant success there. But the football was turgid. The football under Van Hal was the worst ever. Mm. Like, who, where, where are the people within the club that would then turn around and say, okay, let's look at the principles of what this club is supposed to re- represent the values, you know, the history and the attacking flair football and all the rest of it. Let's get a, a panel together and appoint the right man for, for, for the job. Somebody up and coming, somebody that's, that can bring in the right coaching team. Somebody that's got influence with recruitment and bringing players in. It was like, it can't have been done properly because otherwise you wouldn't end up with bad result after bad result after bad result in terms of appointments. And with every single bad appointment of a manager, you've got managers coming in by, I mean, you look at that team there that they're starting the season with, you take out the 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 the, the dwarf at the back, uh, Martinez and 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 Christian Eriksen. Like it's fucking Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's team, more or less. I mean, it's like they need more football people, don't they? I mean, absolutely. when you look at the from, I think from from the manager up, the, from the manager up, there's not enough football people, and and we are football people. We we are people like fans. I'm talking about. They they can see further than the, the the management side can see, I think, because they they just see dollar signs, let's be honest. I mean, Woodward, the new guy, I can't remember his name. Is it Richard Arnold? Uh, Arnold and Murtaugh. Yeah. And and Murto, and then you've then you've got the like the Gazers, obviously. If I guarantee if they got someone like Michelin from Monaco or Michael Emanalo, someone who's like a football brain who has a bit of a philosophy. It might not be the one that aligns with Man United, but I'm sure they can they can merge the two and do what Michael Edwards has done. Michael Edwards gets 20 million quid for people like Nico Williams. It's crazy. You've not sold a player who is like all right for decent money for years. And I think that's a problem as well. You've got no real strategy in terms of that, that cyclical element. I mean, you look at Fergie, he would develop his teams. He would know when it was coming to the end of a cycle and he would bring in new men to go, right, you're going to be my next five, six years. Berbatov, Tevez. Liverpool are doing it now. They're going through a transition and they're doing it brilliantly. They brought in Thiago, that midfield's agent. I can guarantee Bellingham's in a Liverpool shirt next year. It works. The strategy there, the planning like two or three windows ahead. I get the impression that Man United get to, get to the opening day and they go, right, who are we looking at, lads? Oh, I Anthony. agree with that. Oh, and and, yeah. and that, that's got to come from somewhere above the pitch. But I do oh, think the 100%. players on the pitch need better results. A hundred percent. I absolutely agree with, with, with... When it comes to United, I absolutely agree with how they got the club. Because it's no secret, right? And the debt that was on the club when they bought it is still there, right? It's still there in the background. 400 or 500 million, whatever it is. But it doesn't matter. They're a huge um, financial institution. Anyway, and if they sold that would be wiped out very, very quickly. I do agree with the structure because no one really knows what's going on and the Glazers are in America, Tampa. and they're, I get all that, right? There's, you can always improve. 
always improve in your structure within the club, whether that's chairman, director of football, sports analysis, whatever. But you can guarantee you know, you have all these top people in there We're around the football, the footballing side mm. of it. I've no issue with having a go with the Glazers. None, right? Because I, I there's probably a lack of interest there from them, right? And they just want to make money. You know what they're in it for. Because of what, the, what they're in it for, is probably why you would um, I would think that yeah it's it's very I'd accept people having to go with the guys because of what they're in it for, but it's not like they're taking money out and putting all of it out. They're they're putting loads in, and I still did I still say and, and it's the last I'll say because I let Kev back in. I'm taking way too much of your time. That I still think if any of these pundits, United based or whatever, want to start somewhere, start. With the 11 on the pitch, the 8 on the bench, the guy managing them, maybe not Ten Hag because, look, he's only in the door and he's being dealt a, a horrific deal, in my opinion, so far, right? Um, you can't, you know, I've seen people saying, oh, I'm not too sure if he's up to this job. Go back and check Jurgen Klopp's four, six results as Liverpool manager and then, you know, come back to me. Um, but but they, they have to look at what's on the pitch and call out these people on the pitch. Because if you're not happy with what they're doing, you cannot be happy with the players that are there. So call them out and tell this player he's not good enough. Have the balls to do it. Or knock on the front door and say, I will come in and work for this club for zero money. And let's see how many of them offer to do it. Because they I think won't. Genuine, I think genuine fans, like, I think genuine fans are called, like, it's difficult, isn't it? Because it gets so frustrating. But I've watched, like, I've watched Luke Shaw now. I mean, the man's not fit to play football. Like that goal there at the week at the weekend, just gone. He was just honest to God. I was looking at it thinking, like, is this lad out of a? Is it like semi-pro fucking football league he's playing in or something? He just doesn't look fit for purpose. You know, you could go through the whole team, and it's so 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 frustrating. You could call you could call all of them out. I mean, it's shocking. Like, I mean, I don't I don't actually buy in too much this stat around you know. Um, you know uh, the the thirteen point eight kilometers or whatever uh, less than Brentford than they actually ran because if you've got <laughs> just means you have an awful lot of the ball. It does, it does, it does, and it doesn't because you know the the flip side of that is yeah, but like where's the movement off the ball? Because if you've an Ericsson or you've a Fernandez, I mean Fernandez is fucking Hollywood past City, but if you've an Ericsson on the ball or what players like that that aren't naturally quick or whatever, they, they need movement around them to make them look good, you know, to, to start spraying the ball about. And you wonder about that, but I don't buy into that side of things specifically, but you just look at a player's general demeanor. Like I just, you know, like Rashford, what's happened to that lad? You know, Marshall, I know he had a decent preseason. Fuck me, he's injured again, but whatever. But you can just go from probably 1 to 20 within that squad. And there isn't a single... And just going back to that point in terms of successful transfers, you go through the squad, 1 to 20 now, and you think, is that footballer fit for Manchester United? Is he good enough for what that club should be? Because they get away with mortar, Tim. I'm I'm struggling, huh? They get away with mortar. They turned up at at Brentford at the weekend. We're beating 4-0, right? And there was excuses made about, oh, the height. Brentford scored one goal from a header and the fella was nearly lying down when he scored. Right? It was one header at the back post. They were beating on the break. They were beating playing football. The keeper threw it in the net. Fair enough. But all I'm hearing about is the Glazers. These players get away with murder. They go out and they put in that sort of performance and that's what's set in at the club. They can go and get their big money, turn up and go... Well, if it doesn't you really say, happen, they'll blame Joel or one of the Glazers, and they'll. You say that, you know. that about old Red Nev, though. But I mean, you look at Carragher's part afterwards, you know, and he was targeting Lissandra Martinez. I mean, he's the same lad that that that, that Arsenal were after. He's a good mm. centre half. Good centre half, yeah. yeah. He's but, a good player. 
And in time, but do you know what might might happen is he, you know, I mean, United got Schweinsteiger like three years too late, but, you know, part of me was delighted when they got him because I thought he's a proper footballer, this lad. But you look back on it now and he could be another one of those that you just say, good player, but just, you know, at the wrong time, you know, it, United took the best out of him. You look at Juan Mata. I mean, he was the best number 10 in Europe the year he before was United. And then what happens? They bring him in. I know what we'll do. We'll stick him on the right fucking wing. Yeah, but, just, but when when people when people that torn up now they're getting massive wages and have the backdrop of a i.e. the owner that's going to get the blame, it sets in. And when those numbers outnumber the fellas that want to come and play, right? It it just manifests itself, and that's where you have to start. Like Bruno Fernandez torn up, right? He got a lot of penalties and he got this, but he scored a lot of goals. He had loads of assists. But you know what? The atmosphere in that squad, right, built off the fact that they, they can get away with nearly anything at this stage, has eaten at him to the point where he's probably one of the biggest culprits now. Strolls around, doesn't chase, doesn't, you know, you know, and that's what's set in. And can't, really yeah, and, 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 and that's why I always say, for me, the, the pundits that are just absolutely hammering at the Glazers' door and not going at these footballers are more of a hindrance than a help. If you, you just start there and start telling players that they're not good enough and they should go and then move up and by all means put loads of money into your stadium and put loads of money into Carrington and bring in three or four guys. I've no issue with that. But these fellas on the pitch are paid colossal amount of money at the end of the day to play football and they're simply not playing football. You know what I mean? Um, I, I, I better go though because Kev's going to kill me. But I've really enjoyed that. Um, it's made me feel much better. And um, I'm sure I'll test negative tomorrow on the antigen test. Kev, here you go. <laughs> and just Morning, like Kev. That, we're back. Oh, look, um... When Gav found out that Tim was coming on, um, he wanted to have a chat about the Glazers with Tim because Tim knows football and knows the club inside out. And Gav has his view on the Glazers and the ownership and Manchester United fans will have their views and on the, the ownership as well. And they're not actually too, too far apart. It's just different perspectives and ways of getting it out there. But Come Monday night, it doesn't matter who fucking owns what because at eight o'clock when that game kicks off, my 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 knees will be like jelly again, and it will be yep. always that way when it's Liverpool against Manchester United, especially at Old Trafford, irrespective of what happened last year. Last year was a bit, could have been a freak, you know. This season, Klopp when he said in his press conference today, "Would you rather play them if they had won five 0 or lot, or what happened at Brentford? He said, "I wish they'd won. I wish they'd won five 0 because now, after what happened in the first two results, the players have something to play for. They can't turn up and do that again. You know, it, especially after what happened last season and the way the the results went. Not just so, so much the results, but the performances. They weren't close, and that has to hurt the players on a on a personal and a professional level. I mean, Tim, how do you?" Think United can, but can United can this group of United players bounce back in a game where you know the opposition aren't one that they're expected to do well against? That's probably the main nuts and crutches of it. I think, I think, um, I think 
I think a, a key here is is what is the mood going to be like at Old Trafford? You know, is there you know there's this movement empty Old Trafford and you know what what's the actual atmosphere going to be going to be like? If you'd have said to me, if you'd have said to me, if I'm not saying if everything was rosy at the club, but you know if. Going through a, ba- a bad patch, and we just had a bad result, and we've got Liverpool at home is a perfect fixture for us. Typically, okay, you're thinking this is the one. You're a footballer, and you've just been beaten heavily, and you've been beaten badly, and everybody's at you and pointing the finger. You close ranks, and that's the game that you want. You know that is the game, the big one. I think I, I think I did. I text you, Kev, or tweeted you, but I think I said it'd be interesting to see what Ten Hag does now because we'll know. I think we'll learn a lot about him at. The, um, at when this when this match actually yeah. kicks off, because does he does he stick to his principles and his beliefs? I mean, you know, I mean, players have got to take responsibility. Like how how um, David de Gea rolls the ball out to Kristen to to Kristen Eriksen uh, in the eighteen year like regardless of what I don't care what's happened in the training pitch. You've got a man up your ass. You do not give him the ball there. You literally it doesn't happen, right? Pep would be going nuts if that was City. Yeah. Pep would be going nuts, right? So. Do United, do United, do they listen to Ten Hag, whatever Ten Hag's instructions are, and say, right, we're going to be brave, we're gonna, we're gonna play the way I want us to play, even if that means things are going to go bad. Now, I, I fear that, but in a way, I'd admire it, okay? Because what I think that will then do is it will just highlight, and regardless of what Gav says, okay, money has been spent. Reg- clearly, money has been spent, but it's bad money after bad money. So the team is so massively short that if he sticks to his principles and says, "This is the way I want to play." Look, we're shit. We've, we we're two cent. We're two. Um, we're two fullbacks short. We're another sentiment. You know, we're another centre midfielder short. I mean, ca- obviously, Casemiro won't be playing on Monday night, but you know, look at our midfield. We've still got McFred in there. Um, we still need another wide man. We've got nobody up front. I mean, you're you're talking about seven signings there. So, if he insists on trying to play the way he wants to play, I think it will be very very short term pain. Um, but it may well be a bit of gain there because you're you're only highlighting the deficiencies and the lack of action in the transfer. The spin off to that, of course, is they turn around and say, "Well, shit, here's more bad money. Why don't you buy fucking Arnautovic or something mental like that?" I don't know. But um, what do I think will happen? I think the pressure of the situation. I think United need a result. I mean, they both need a result, but I think United yeah. need a um, you know at home with the pressure of that. And and do they end up do they end up sticking Fred and McTominay in front of a, a back four playing you know narrow fullbacks sitting in trying to trying to catch him on the counter and try and scrape you know scrape a draw I don't know it's it's fascinating I think we'll learn an awful lot more about Ten Hag on it and asking me to call it will all depend on how Ten Hag you know decides to play if he tries to go toe to toe Liverpool will get murdered absolutely murdered but at the same time I I'd, I'd still respect him in a way for doing it because I think we need the short term pain yeah I think. I wouldn't be a bit surprised if Ten Hag, if he went with a back five. And this, I honestly think that if he plays with Varane and Martinez as your left and right centre-backs with wing-backs and do similar to what, um, what Palace did, it might not work. But I think Lothario Martinez, or not Lothario Martinez, sorry, but the, your centre-back that you signed is a left-sided centre-back in a three. I think yeah. that's his best position. And I think he's aggressive, and he can. He he's probably better suited to that, and you it would probably help your midfield more by playing a back five. Whether he'll do it at home or whether he'll be pragmatic or, like you said, stick to his guns and plays four three three because that's the way he believes football should be played. I think you're dead right in what you said that that is what we will. You'll find you'll find out a lot more about Manchester United over the coming year 
in on Monday night when the team sheets are announced and at final whistle. You'll know everything you need to know about how he plans to take the club forward. And <clears throat> Castellano is a good signing for the now. You know, he's thirty years old. It's ridiculous money. It's it's crazy money for what he's for for what he is. But he's Great still he's still, but he's still he, he's still younger than KDB, and he's exactly the player that they need now. They need someone to stand in front of a back four and break play up and give the player give the ball to Ericsson and let him play. And there, it's a, a dying breed of a midfielder because Chiche for Brazil is still picking Casemiro and and Fred right. over Fabinho. So, look, <laughs> it is what it is. But they're overpaying for him massively, yeah. But he's and this is the problem Manchester United are going to have in the next two weeks in the window. Is they're at the if they lose, they're at that situation where they're going to get fleeced. Or they'll have to walk away. They walked away before with the um, Jaden Sancho and went back and got him the, the year later at a fee that they wanted to pay. But it's you were right in what you said at the start a while back. It's a very important two weeks for the club. Very in more ways than one. This is a massive couple of weeks coming up for Manchester United. I mean, it's getting late. Looks two minutes to twelve. Just do a quick round. Sorry for you and, and Luke. Just do a quick round. How do you think oh, the game will go? That's all right. Luke, you know the rules. If you're going to give a score, give scorers. Yeah, uh, I'll go 3 1. I'll go Salah, Van Dyke, Firmino, and then go Bruno for United. Ewan? I think 3 0 Liverpool, Salah 2, Diaz 1. Um, and also, I think Martinez could be useful in midfield if Casemiro can't yeah. play. I think yeah. Maguire and uh, Varane with that bit Apparently of in midfield might actually drop. help in a diet. I know I've heard, but it wouldn't be what I'd do. I think I'd want that bite in midfield to get about them a little bit because McTominay's got the bite, but he hasn't got the ability on the ball, whereas I think Martinez has got that ability on the ball. So, yeah, I think 3-0, Salah 2, Diaz 1. Sorry, Tim. I know you've been ambushed tonight, haven't you? Uh, All right. It's all right. I'm getting ambushed. I'm getting ambushed next Friday as well. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, but you're walking into that one voluntarily. <laughs> yeah, you you uh, you asked her. You asked her that one. I fucking did. Right. I got told where to be. Yeah, in fairness, yeah, I can, I know how that conversation went. Uh, how do you see it going, man? Um, clearly, clearly, my heart is rolling my head here, but um, yeah. I I can't not back United and. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say United are gonna beat Liverpool in the relegation clash, two goals to one, um, to send shockwaves around the pla- around planet Earth. You'd actually go ahead of us. Hey, you'd actually you go ahead of us. I don't, I don't want to think about that, Kev. That, Tim, you can come on next week and just sit with a big grin on your face. <laughs> if that's you don't have to speak. We'll Get married Friday. Log on here on Friday night with a big cheesy grin on the point. We'll we'll see if we'll see we'll see if Gavel type. Uh, I need to speak to Tim next Friday night. If that happens, yeah. <laughs> All right, listen. Um, I uh, think I think we win. Um, I just hope that we don't go behind. We've got a really we've got into a really bad habit of conceding the first goal. <laughs> I think his wife his wife to be will definitely have. A, uh, <laughs> 
a big foot to say on that. Oh, lads. Make him best man. <laughs> that speech will be brilliant. It'll be absolutely priceless. But, um, yeah, I think I just hope to God we don't go behind because if you give Old Trafford something to get behind, they'll get behind it. And we, I thought we were good in large patches against Palace. Couldn't finish. We were creating chances, couldn't finish. We need to take our chances. And the fact that it looks like it's going to be Firmino up front doesn't fill me with a massive load of confidence. Uh, I think it's not going to be anywhere as easy as last year. Um, I'd take 2-1. I'd take any win at Old Trafford any time. But I think 2-1, uh, I think Diaz and Salah get on the score sheet. And I think Ronaldo gets one for United. Be interesting one, but listen, we we'll leave it there. It's been Jesus Christ, it's two hours. It's an hour, it's an hour longer than we, we were planning, but is what it is. Listen, thanks to everyone in the chat who's stuck there for the link to the show. You're all amazing people. We want to finish up by uh, mentioning Bobby's wish to walk. Uh, as you've noticed, you've all noticed in the chat, uh, super chats are turned off for a reason. The channel doesn't need or want your money, but there's a link in the description below for Bobby for his wish to walk. Um, we need to get him to €150,000 so he can go to Cincinnati for an operation that will cure his, um, well, it'll help him massively. He's got a, a former cerebral palsy that causes spasticity in his legs, and it's he's seven years of age. And We've done this before with Sienna, and you've seen what it's done for Sienna. She's jumping around all over the place. There's pictures on her Instagram now of her being on holiday. And... Um, jumping in that swimming pools and what have you she's living her best life and we want that for Bobby as well there's uh, the GoFundMe is last time we checked was on 120,000 euro it's in the last home stretch now we need to get another 30,000 euro for Bobby to be able to go and get his operation if you can donate please do the link is in the description if you can't donate then copy the link and share it onto your social media share it into your WhatsApp groups and just ask people to have a look at it. And if they can share, ask them to share it into their ones. And we'll just get the word out. Wow. It was a, last night's show. It was on 121K. It's now on 134,000. 16,000 to go. That is amazing. That is absolutely amazing. We'll get there, no doubt about it. And then what we'll do is we'll find someone else to help because that's just the way we do it. All right. Listen, thank you to Luke. Uh, to Ewan, thanks for Ewan was only meant to be coming on for an hour. I might get a tap on the door. He says, uh, "No, I never, never got one. Never got one. He's still there. We're all good. It, We're right? all good. Not yeah, in trouble Tim, or anything." Thanks so much for coming on. I really, really appreciate it. Um, all the best for next Friday, mate. Sorry, I can't be there, but yeah. Nigel's coming over on Sunday, and he'll be representing yeah. all of us over there. Yeah, all right, nice. have a great yeah. time. And Thanks I'll so catch much, up with mate. you soon, okay? Yeah, no worries. No, and give my love Good to Gary. I'll see you later. I will do. Cheers, buddy. <laughs> Thanks very much. Uh, Thanks for everyone in the chat. Um, there'll be nothing tomorrow. There'll be a fat back four on Sunday night and a post match on Monday night. Uh, I assume I'm doing it with probably maybe Chris, who we'll see. But please, God, I deserve to have a win after this. I'll talk to you soon. Overnight. <laughs> yes. Sports Social Podcast Network.